is Rowena Dooley asking Sol citizens to report for duty. Hello, 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 and greetings, and welcome to the Soul Citizens. I'm Griffin Gaming RPG, and welcome back. We are back. We've been gone for a little while. We were gone last week, and we did a little charity fundraiser, which, by the way, you will still see popping up in the chat today because we still want to reach our goal. So if you are interested in supporting children who are in hospitals so that they can play a video game to pass the time and very therapeutic for them, we want you to think about consider or consider donating to gamers outreach and again you'll see that link pop up from time to time in the chat but before we go any further i want to introduce the illustrious panel that we have today i'm going to start directly to my left with jade star watcher jade jade how are you doing oh. good doing good wow somebody made us feel good already jesus that pops in space thank you pops for that community sub we appreciate that you've been doing okay jade yeah good you all yeah. ready for today I am ready for today. I know you've got stuff to say, too. <laughs> I know you've got stuff to say. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. And next to Jade, we've got Cal Roddy, the man from down below. What's yeah. up, brother? Yay, beautiful people. Hell, 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 hell. Hi. <laughs> what a great opening. I'm happy to be here. You're waiting all that time to have that great <laughs> opening, right? Yeah, I, I was prepping. I was like, okay, I got my whole welcome thing ready. I was like, bleh. <laughs> It was good to see you, man. Good to be have you here, man. Last but not least, my buddy Fastcart FC. How are you? Hey, how's everybody doing? And I'm not just speaking to the beautiful people. I'm speaking to everybody. Okay, I'm not trying to count anybody out. Oh, not anybody. Huh? <laughs> what is that behind you this week? I'm trying to see. What is that? That's the Phoenix. The same thing. I, I didn't change it from last week. Ah, okay. Well, from two weeks ago, my memory's bad, so I would have forgotten. Yeah, that's true. Two weeks okay, ago, the Phoenix. Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, listen, we are glad to have you guys here with us. Uh, it's been busy. As I mentioned last week, we did our fundraiser where we did the uh, radio play of the day the earth stood still with so many wonderful content creators. We want to give a shout out to all of them that helped last week with raising funds for gamers outreach, and especially thank you guys who may have watched it in real time, or maybe you watched it during the week and chilled out and watched the old school way of the way they used to broadcast Jade, Jade, Jade. Yes. Yes. Did you see that old school broadcast? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's that old school broadcast, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was fun. It was, it was cool. fun. I didn't get to see it live, but I watched it in, okay. uh, during the week, like you said. Okay, well, can you imagine? And I can't even imagine this because I, 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 I wasn't born when this was going on, but my parents Wait, what, told what, you me. Weren't? No, I wasn't. I was not. But my parents told me about what it was to like in the evening, like how we get around the TV and watch something. They literally sat around the radio and... That was it. And I guess you just stared at the wallpaper and listened to whatever was going on, you know? So should say they watched the radio? Yeah, they watched the radio. <laughs> they watched the radio. They, they literally did. They literally it's watched like, the radio. It's like, it's like people could, could lip read for, for, for the radio if you paid attention to the radio. And, yeah. that, and people did that. <laughs> yeah, that was the way to get your entertainment at night was to sit around the radio and check out the big bands or listen to some story or whatever. So, yeah, kind of different. But I'm glad everybody, it, it, you're right, Jay. You know, it's funny when we first did this, I kind of thought it might've been a bit of too much of a throwback, 
but everybody who does it they just get so excited about it and they have so much fun you know it, it's it seems kind of stressful because a lot of people feel like they're not voice actors and but man they get out there and they deliver when it's time to deliver they do a good job so yeah a lot of they fun. did a great job a lot of fun a lot of fun uh, listen, we want to say again, thank you guys for being here. I want to talk about yesterday. We had here in Chicago, the uh, Midwest Chicago Bar Citizen that was held in Naperville, Illinois. Um, Ariana was the primary host for the event. We were just kind of there to cheer her on and support and help with marketing. But uh, man, it was a great turnout yesterday. Uh, from CIG, we had Jake Acapella, uh, Galactica was there, and also chad mckinney was there so it's kind of like they send out the community manager the social community manager and a developer which is kind of cool because they get to kind of spread the differences of their jobs and talk with folks and i want to say we had about i'd say they came through anywhere between 160 and 180 people but if oh, you okay. guys, some people say 135 yeah well no no that's what they said on the photo when i took the photo i oh, counted okay. how many people were on the picture and there were about oh, okay. 135 people on the picture, but the amount of people that came through, cause you know, throughout the event, people come and go, right? So everybody's not there at the moment you take the picture people came late. Like for example, um, uh, Geo came later. Zero, yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought yeah. I took pictures afterwards. Yeah, but that was yeah. cause he didn't, uh, he didn't get, get money. Yeah, yeah. He got there okay. about maybe two and a half, three hours into it. Zero state got there about three hours into it. So there were people who showed up later, you know, uh, that we didn't, that didn't get to be in the group shot, but we had a really, really nice time. We went to a place called Two, Two Fools Cider in Naperville. Good plug for them. They did a great job. Uh, Ariana had a food truck come that provided Mexican meals, and everybody really, really enjoyed that and ate well and drank well and had a good time. So special thanks to uh, the folks from CIG and CIG coming out to support it because they did great giveaways for folks. Folks walked away with ships and shirts and all types of stuff. Um, I want to give some shout outs to some people. Some of you guys know some of the people in our chat, Choo, a uh, Choo Choo, who pops in every week. Uh, he flew down from New Jersey, believe it or not. He oh, came sir. in from New Jersey. We actually had somebody who came in from Seattle, drove in from Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. Yeah. Uh, we had somebody Damn. from Jay, I didn't know, you, I didn't know you, you went to this. No, she didn't come. Yeah, yeah, wore my Halloween costume, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, but we had people who came from by train, by plane, and drove. Uh, but Chooch gave gave me this. It was a Star Citizen patch from the New Jersey uh, oh, okay. Bar Citizen they had just a couple of weeks ago, which was really, really nice. Yeah, they got the little gold sparkly thing with the state of uh, Jersey City. So that was very cool. I thought that was very nice of him to do very thoughtful. And I got a chance to sit and talk with him for a good amount of time. And then there was another gentleman there. And please forgive me my name. His name was Jacob. And I don't remember his game name. But Jacob was really into this whole aspect i think of cosplay and stuff and so he came in with some props and one of the props he made was this bottle here some of you may be able to see that the title on it may go uh -huh. out because of the color but it I says it. it says liberty lake this is a actually, taste of freedom yeah this is actually in game he actually went in found this in game zoomed in on it got all the detail on it and put this together it's a real glass beer bottle with all the detailed information on it it says to serve it cold, proudly brewed in New Austin, Ontario. And uh, I guess there was some controversy between the company that made this and another one. So this is, says it's banned from Earth. And all the ingredients and everything are on the side here. I mean, he really went full scale on this. So I really want to tell him thank you for giving him a shout out because he only had so many of these and he came up and gave me one. I said, I'll give it to somebody else's here. He says, no, no, you take the chicken. So thank you. <laughs> we, we, we do appreciate that. Thank you. Awesome job, man. Yeah, thank you. 
Okay. Uh, this. Jump- well, wait, wait, before we move on, I just got a question for you, Griff. Yeah. How many people did you get to join Snobs? Because I know you, I know you, ha- you passed out those nope. cards. Nope. I, I, I did <laughs> give the cards to a couple people, but that was just out of fun. I didn't do any recruiting. Uh, I, I, some people had my card, that a card I had for myself, but I didn't give any Snobs card. Uh, Chooch got a great laugh out, you know, because if people don't know the shtick, you know, but he, he got a great laugh out of it when he saw because he knew exactly what it was. Uh, but no, there was, there were a lot of great people there. Like I said, from all over backers, content creators, people, we didn't know that were in the region and they were all just very happy because we haven't had a, the last bar season we had here was the one we did back in June. And that was only attended by 16 people, but that was the first time in two years from COVID. So just the whole idea of getting people back together was a, was a big thing, but uh-huh. of course, CIG being there, I'm sure that helped. No question about it for the amount of people that turned out. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into it, gang. Um, let's see what I want to tell you. Today's show is actually a follow-up show. You guys may remember a few weeks ago, we did our review on CitizenCon. And even though we did all the seven segments that they presented, we said we weren't going to do that closing segment uh, that had Richard Tyre and Chris Roberts, just because, as you guys remember, it was two hours long. And there was a lot of information in there. Now, I know for some of you, some of us, I'm not going to say you, Kyle Roddy, did you get wiped out? Like when the time they got to Chris and Richard, was it like information overload and it just kind of all started to become a blur? Or were you sitting there like this, like, ooh, which one, which one were you? Listen, I had a, a cup of water, a bottle of water, an energy drink. I was prepared. Oh, you were okay? ready? When I saw these two people coming on, uh-huh. I was like, okay. Let me just rush and get these drinks ready, this snack ready. I was not falling asleep. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I was prepared. All right, Jade, what about you? Yeah, I was I was watching it uh, at least the very beginning, and then I got called away mm. uh, as an impromptu uh, invite to the New Babbage uh, oh, New Babbage Bash race. Yeah. yeah, so I had to go get to the uh, to the starting line because mm. uh, you know they were getting ready to get started. So I didn't get to see much of this. So you didn't get tortured. That's good. Drakazog, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. What's up? Appreciate that. You and Pops, thank you. FC, what about you? You were here with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Because last year, they only did a, a short presentation. So I was, expecting, I was expecting it to be a little longer, but not, not as long as it did. So I was mm-hmm. expecting maybe 15, half hour long. Mm-hmm. So I, I I had to get up and, and, and get some refreshments in, in between. I, I turned my speakers up and everything. So I, I thought I didn't miss anything. But yeah, I, it was longer than I expected. I wouldn't say I was wiped out, but I was like, oh, wow, this is going on yeah. and on. Yeah, and on. Uh, yeah, I, you're right. I think I think most of us when we saw them come on screen, we were excited to see what they were going to say, but I don't think right. any of us expected that it was going to have the length and detail that it had. But Mm-mm. after going back and re-examining it, and I'm sure some of you all have done that, you went back, redigested, took some time because they chopped them into sections and it was easier to manage, more manageable to watch. I think that what you did find out was that there was actually some really cool stuff that they shared in there about the development and where they're at and where they'd like to go. So what we're going to do today, guys, is do that. We're going to take each section. They've been kind of, you know, chopped down to, to bits. These little bits are not as long as the whole thing. It's not two hours long. But with our conversation in this, we might go a little bit long. So I'm letting you know now, get something to drink and some snacks. We may go longer than the normal time, but hopefully we'll be okay. within our range. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Oh, thank you, Zach and Dog. I, I just want to say one thing. Say one thing. I, I made joke, I made joke about joke about the length and everything, but I, I, I'm I'm really glad that it, it wasn't as long as it did. Even though I made joke about it, so even don't take it to heart. I, I would prefer this length than than the five minute one or whatever we had last year. That's what you Would you say, Kelly? No. Nothing. 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 Oh, oh okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So I tell you what, let's get ready to jump into this. We're going to pick up the very first one, uh, which was, uh, what was the first one? Uh, FPS player. Let's get on that real quick and pick it up from there. Uh, once again, this is, uh, Chris Roberts and Richard Tyre. And we're, again, we're just kind of picking up at the beginning of each of the topics here. So let's take a look at this one. Let's start with, uh, let's. Rich, you're the, you're, you, were, you were the AFT guy, now you're the whole squadron game guy. But let's start with something uh, that affects everybody. This is a first-person universe, after all. Uh, let's talk about the F FPS radar and uh, the player interaction system stuff. What can you, what can you tell us about how this has evolved? Well, it's interesting because we, we obviously, I think I've given a talk on FPS radar and scanning in the past. And I think the biggest thing that when we look at what, what Star Citizen is now, what's the first thing that you do, you know, you're in your bed? How do you interact with the game? How do you interact with the environment that's around you? Doors, getting into your ship. How do you interact with kiosks? And, and a lot of the things that we realize is that, you know, and it's not something new, it's just something we've always wanted to get to, uh, is how does the player interface with the game? How do they, hey, how do they translate the their controls and what they want them to do, you know, ultimately in the, in, the, in the universe that they're playing? And how does that then translate in the computer game so that it does what you expect it to do? And I think one of the biggest things was the player interaction experience where we kind of use this terminology to understand like, that's like interact mode, personal inner thought, you know, the player interaction system, all of these umbrella systems that kind of sit underneath this uh, main kind of like saga, shall we say. And I think that's one of the things that we really want to improve and make better because I think it's lacking right now. If you go and walk around the universe, you know, generally having to go into interact mode, having to use the cursor, having to select things you know and we spent a lot of time trying to make the world physical yeah. and, and feel right and immersed that you're immersed in it well, you can you can interact with things like the props are interactable exactly. you can do things you can push things around you can move them. i mean the whole goal is to make it a sort of physically living universe exactly that you can interact with to a level that in most fps games you don't right because most fps games you run around you shoot things maybe you pick up a gun that gets dropped but you generally most everything's static and so our goal for definitely for the PU, it's one of the reasons why we're doing the persistent, uh, you know, the whole idea of persistent streaming and, and, and later on the server meshing is to have this fully persistent universe that, yeah, you can push the chairs around or that, that cup I could take off your desk and take to my, my spaceship instead of your spaceship, Jared. <laughs> and and it, would, it will be there and it'll persist. So, so obviously interacting with things is a huge deal. Um, in Squadron, we have a huge amount of physical puzzles, mm. interactions, um, in a level that you, I haven't seen in a lot of FPS games. So it's, it's almost like a sort of story game and a puzzle game and a traversal game and a combat game and a stealth game all and a flight one. game all rolled into one. Um, and so, so we need systems that are easy to use. And you know, currently what we have, ideas were good, but it's pretty clunky. So we've been really focusing on it because also we want you to be able, yeah, okay, keyboard, mouse, what if you joystick, what if you have a gamepad? We need to make sure all that stuff works well. So we don't want to have 400 key 
presses you have to remember to do stuff and we don't want it to take forever to interact and do stuff and so uh, we've really been thinking about it those are and those are by the way have been number of bit large complaints on the PU just getting in new person getting into the game like how do I get out of bed how do I do some basic stuff how do I understand you know right now it's sort of trial by fire I mean I think you know there's a lot of people it's almost like you know I don't know whether it's a from software thing where it's like oh I managed to beat the challenge of Star Citizen and I actually got to my ship um, but um, you know we need to make hey, that better so that is actually one, of, one of the big things we've been focusing on and the, the player interaction system and by the way these have been plans that have been around for quite a while Absolutely. and uh, you know, Rich, back when he was in charge of sort of the core gameplay group, which was the AFT and the, the weapon um, teams and the actor tech team and stuff, um, that was on the list of things to do. It just, you know, because of what we talked about, the release cadence in, in Star Citizen um, on the alpha, it just, you know, didn't get to it yet. Well, we're getting to it now and, and uh, you know, we're working on it. So, I, I mean... I mean, p part of it is basically removing the barrier. Yeah. So removing the, the clunkiness, as Chris said, to, to how to you interact with the, in, you know, with the environment. So what we've kind of gone to, we've gone to kind of this weighted system. So is if you're walking over to a trolley, you know, you shouldn't have to like look exactly at the handle to be able to go, oh, I, I want to use the trolley. You just want to be able to go over there and the game, you go, I want to interact with the trolley. You just press F and the game should know, yeah, they want to interact with the trolley. So if I'm looking at your desk, for example, you've got quite a lot of things that I could pick up and take and do whatever I want. But you want to be able to just walk over there and not have to go into a mouse cursor mode to be able to then select it. And you should just be able to go, I want to look at the green ship. I'm going to pick up the green ship. I want to look at, you know, your little mini, mini ship over there or the book or your coffee cup or whatever. And it's, you just want to be able to go and look at those things press F and, and, and you, you need confidence that when you're looking at something and you know, we have the, the user interface to tell you that yes, this is the thing that you're gonna pick up and you don't wanna have to go into this separate mode to be able to do that. So I think that's one of the fundamental things on the player interaction experience and that, that's such a pervasive system across the entirety because it's the same when you're in a cockpit. In a cockpit or you're walking around or you're in EVA or you're crouched or you're prone or all the different environments that you're in. You need to be able to just effortlessly interact with the game world and you want it to just be, feel natural and immersed because you want to get involved in what you're doing hey, in the gameplay thanks for the subscription. Like the controls. So you can see here this is in Asiado which we've already showcased. Uh, this is obviously going in and utilizing some of our new building blocks UI for the doors and then here's a scan wave and you can see that, that I'm looking at that data pad and then it, you can move around and it's giving me that information. So right now it's just giving you the basic high-level information in terms of the names and things, uh, but you will also have more detailed information depending on, you know, contextually what the item is. And what you're seeing here is part of the player interaction system, so you can just, even though that's kind of, of a complex area, there's lots of little things that you can interact with, but you're getting confidence of, oh cool, I can, I can grab that or I can use the data pad, and you, you're not having to go into interact mode, you're not having to be driven by the cursor, you can go in and just press F or interact with it, and you know, you've probably seen this in plenty of AAA games, but they don't have the detail and at scale that we do. So we wanted to make sure that that system is really robust. But hopefully, it, it gives you kind of yeah. an idea of. And, I, and I'd also for. say that, like, part of the idea is that the, you know there's the you know there's the default action, which in this case is what you see when you're on it when it says grab or uh, or you know I think there's a few other ones that you can use in default action. But the icon, the the if you just had a single uh, disc with 
uh, with that wasn't broken, then that would mean there's only one thing you can do with it. In a lot of those cases, there was you could see there was a broken disk in four pieces, which was basically saying that's a multi-action. So as you look at it, if for instance in that case, if you hit F, does the default action. If you held F, it would bring up uh, the modular wheel yeah. that would show you the other actions. So you could maybe equip it versus grab it or whatever you would do. And so the idea is just like you can do in like, uh, you know, Rich was talking about a lot of other uh, sort of AAA, even console games, you walk around, you look around, oh, look, I can X to do something with it, right? Uh, so there's a bit of that that's happening here. So you can just look around and I can interact with that without having to hold F, move your mouse around and all the rest of stuff. I mean, we'll still have the overall interact mode that you can go into if you want. But the idea is I just play around if I'm used to playing games a certain way. So there is a certain um, language of, I think, FPS or even third person games that exist right now. And we don't want to like do something totally different to it because right. you know people are used to playing games a certain way. It's like why in an FPS game you run around with WASD and use the mouse because so many people are used to it. And so we're we're leaning a little bit onto that, but trying to make it much more usable and work with inside a much more powerful system than you typically get in games. And so even there, you saw there's a lot of interactables. You look at them, you can move them around, do all these different things with it, uh, and hopefully it'll be much more intuitive uh, for players. Uh, in Squadron or, or Star Citizen, and that default item actually is a good is a good point because that's also something we've gone to and we're changing in the fact that we want everything to have a default action that essentially you go over, you press F, it always does that default action. But let's say you're harvesting harvestables and you want you know the default action is that it picks it up and puts it into your hand, but you want it to be always be to store into your backpack. You'll actually be able to go in there, you know, right click on the item you know, when you're in interact mode, bring up the wheel, or like Chris says, hold F and just it will bring up the wheel. And that re will replace that list that we have currently right now. And you'll actually be able to remap that in the game, like three clicks, and you go, I don't want it to be uh, pick up into my hand. I want it to go straight into my backpack because that's what you're doing right there. So then you can go and have it, you know, it, it allows us to give the interaction system how we want it to be by default, but then it puts the, the onus on the player. If they want it to go, you know, they want a weapon to always go to their backpack because they're happy with the weapons they've already got and they're going looting. They just want it all to be store. They can do that out of the gate so it doesn't always go into their hands. And they, were, you know, they have that customizability to be able to you know, interact with the environment and the objects that they're looking at. Okay, so let's, uh, <clears throat> let's go back and take a look at that again. And uh, I'll start fast talking. You're the last one I introduced. You'll be the first one up on this one. Any thoughts? First of all, why do they call this FPS? Because I've been trying to figure that out. Does it mean something other than first-person shooter, like first-person mm -hmm. standing or sight or something else? <laughs> experience. I mean, FPS is a term everybody knows. They, 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 a CIG invents terms left and right anyway, so I guess, I guess I'm trying to cut down on terms that people have to learn. <laughs> so everyone knows what yeah, FPS it, is, so they decorate FPS. Yeah, but FPS is usually first-person shooter. And they, and they reference stuff in relation to, I mean, that's not what it is. So I'm just kind of surprised that they just decided to, to go with FPS, but that's just First me. person I mean, simulation. It, first person simulation. Okay. Maybe I'll go with that even because first person Yeah, shooter. first person simulation. They could, they could just say F here and just leave it, leave it as off, you know, yeah. first person. Yeah. Okay. Or first person mode. I, I digress. Uh, go ahead, Fastcart. No, I, 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 I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke and say, I missed the middle of that. Can you, can you start from the beginning again? Mm -hmm. And I was, I was gonna say that. But uh, no, um, 
this is overall presentation was wholly detailed. I like the radar uh, thing that, that they did in, in, in the middle of the highlight stuff and everything like that. You know, that's that's one thing I'm I'm looking forward to uh, out of everything. I'm, I'm trying to keep it short. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, was there anything in that particular segment that stood out to you that they're trying to do? Yeah, the radar, the, the radar thing, the, the, um, the whole. Uh, uh, highlighting different points of interest and in, in everything and in, 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 in that walkthrough that they were doing yeah the radar oh, thing. Oh, oh, oh you mean when they were in the in the hab yeah the hab oh, walking around the hab okay you keep saying radar yeah, 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 and that's yeah. throwing me off because the next part is radar i was like we didn't watch oh well but the way even the way it was identifying the way it was identifying items when you scan the room yeah, i got you interest. i got yeah. you now yeah that was cool okay jade what about you yeah so um my first impression was I love the fact that he mentioned gamepad because I play, those of you know, I play primarily on a gamepad. And, you know, I know for some people in the Star Citizen community, that's sacrilegious. Oh, no, it's a PC game. Well, there's Chris Roberts himself telling you he wants this game to be played by everybody who plays games, mm -hmm. including people who play primarily on consoles with gamepads. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought this is good that, that, you know, it's, how this game will have mass appeal and not niche appeal for it to be successful it's got to have mass appeal and so i'm glad to see that they're designing it in a way that they're not trying to reinvent the wheel but they're taking best practices from other games and dark knight in chat mentioned it reminded him of cyberpunk and i i told him i said i think that that's a good thing because you know say what you want about cyberpunk but i think their ui and their or their user experience is pretty good as far as interaction sorry go ahead no go ahead no i was gonna say about the uh back in 2016 or 2017 um they, they, they had analytics and everything like that there was one person way back in the day who was, play, who was playing everything using a racing reel Mm -hmm. There was one person, so yeah, that that PID really wants you know everyone to be comfortable in whatever whatever they they decide to to play with. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Cal Roddy, what about you? Yeah, so I first want to reiterate on you know how much I really I liked seeing that I FPS. Oh, thank you. Uh, I really liked that FPS. Um, you know, radar or the ping because I remember in three point fourteen, um, in a PTU. Um, they didn't keep it in before it went live, but we were able to ping on FPS and it was really, really cool. Mm -hmm. If you were in a cave and you were in a city, you could actually fire off the ping and it was really cool. Unfortunately, they took it away. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully we'll get it back soon enough. But yeah, um, you know, with regards to the features that we're seeing, um, you know, we we hear the good and the, and, and the criticisms as well, uh, where some persons are saying that, hey, these features are looking quite similar um, to other games. Uh, so is it that, they're actually going, you know, essentially, why didn't they do this in the first place, mm -hmm. right? Because on the surface, it's pretty much what other games were using. So after 10 years or, or whenever, they're now applying these things again when they could have done it before. But as we know, um, many things are iterative. And who knows, um, you know, we wouldn't have known that on the surface, at least, we don't know if it's the same under the hood. Um, we're seeing, you know, that they're actually able to apply certain things that we're familiar with mm -hmm. um, from other AAA games. Um, maybe the other more unique um, versions of what we used for our FPS experience or FP experience mm -hmm. um, essentially didn't really work. Right? So it's good to see that they tried and they are continuously trying. And um, if ultimately we pretty much get to experience what um, other AAA games have, 
it just means that you know it, it's a good thing for everybody because we're having a more polished experience for Star Citizen, and it just means that hey, they've exhausted or they've tried other things, and it just means that hey, they are confident in the direction that they're going with regards to this first-person experience and these UI and those things. So it was really nice seeing um, you know everything kind of um, come together um, in that clip. Um, and I'm really looking forward to them building on that, especially when it comes to interacting with the more fine and subtle um, items. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. There were two things that I heard. One of them was Chris made a reference to Vengeful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that sub for 23 months. Appreciate that. Hey, thanks Thank for you. the subscription. Cal Roddy, I'm sorry that the burger's like right where your mouth is when it pops up. Yeah, but, uh, I just said had a chance to move it. No, sorry about that. I, I thought we were going to have three, I didn't we were going to have four. So, sorry. Um, uh two things he mentioned one of them was chris said something that was interesting he said going on your ship and taking the chair off and bringing it over to mine now that was interesting to me because that starts to get into the area of ownership of items and can i go into calrati's ship and take a furniture item that he has maybe he's got his i don't know your freaking cutlass plushie laying there you know, can I actually take that from you and take it over to my ship? And it remained with me, right? You know, I log out, it doesn't go back. I mean, I actually have it. So I thought that was kind of interesting he used as an example because he didn't talk about like in the sense of boxes and cargo, but he talked about other physicalized items that you may buy for your, maybe it's for your your place where you're living or your outpost or whatever. I'm just curious about that. And the other thing, my furniture then. Yeah, I might come take your furniture. Yeah, you okay. know, wouldn't that be funny? You're worried about people breaking into your house to steal your stuff, and you come and all your furniture's gone, right? They leave all the other stuff and take the furniture. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting, and I, I know people have had concerns about Chris because they talk about Chris in the area of detail and how sometimes he could be too meticulous or too much realism. But this was a good example of something that does happen in the game now that they're saying we want to find a better way to do it even though it steps outside of realism. Some of you have gone into bunkers before when you go down and you start looting stuff. You know, if you've got a nice backpack on you, you've got one rifle here, one rifle here, and then you pick up another rifle, right? And if you want to swap out a rifle, you have to like drop a rifle and take a rifle off your back. In order, you got to do all this weird mechanic stuff. And Richard said that we want to make it so that you can actually default and say now, instead of that rifle going from floor to hand to backpack, now you or on your backpack you can actually say from floor to store which i thought was cool if if the player wants to play it that way if they don't want to that's fine but i think this is kind of a throwback to the old thing chris said a long time ago about players being able to play the way they want to play kind of like how some people like flight ready and some people like hitting you know you i and working their way across the keyboard right so i like the fact that they, they're keeping the options they are not necessarily forcing us to do either one, which I think is kind of cool. Okay, I just take I just take exception to one thing. There's no way Cowboy is gonna have a plushie on his Aurora. That takes up way too much room. <laughs> Listen, my Aurora can have and support many things. Trust me, <laughs> I, I will show you. I will stylize my Aurora. I will pimp it out. Okay. All right, so let's move on. We went to first. Jade, what'd you call the first person simulator? Right, first person. Yeah, simulator? first person simulator. All right, so we're gonna go from FPS player to. Uh, a little bit with both Kalradi uh, referred to earlier, which is the first person FPS radar and scanning. And then on the other side of things, which is FPS radar and scanning, it's actually kind of being split into kind of a, a twofold. The first area is kind of what we're calling uh, kind of like a quick scan. 
This is something that, again, if you think of the star system universe, it's very detailed. You know, that's one of our strengths, that we, we're, we're detail at scale. And so you want to be able to go in and, and understand all the individual pieces that you can go in and go, I want to move that thing, or I want to go and get in a giant ship. But sometimes it's quite difficult to realize, okay, what is, what is environment, or what is interactive, or which bits are relevant to me. You know, for example, if you look at Uncharted, they have, you know, painted areas to show you where you need to go and where you, you need to navigate. But, you know, that's not Star Citizen. Star Citizen's built on realism and the reality of the world. So what we want to do is have kind of like the radio and scanning system where you can do this kind of like quick ping or quick scan wave, single button. And that is kind of just for your local environment. And everything will then be tagged as you look at it. So kind of think, you know, I look at the camera, it'll come out and it'll have a little box, info box, and it'll say, okay, this is the model of the camera, this is the information. And it's almost like you've done a little mini, mini scan on the camera, but it's happening for everything around you. And you can just quickly look around and be like, oh, there's a cuttable surface there because I want to be able to use my multi-tool cutter. Oh, there's a vent there that I can get access to. Oh, there's a terminal there that I can hack. And I'm getting that information. It's almost like that Blade Runner-esque of like, I go into a space and I can go, okay, what are the ingredients that I have to play with as a player for me to be able to progress to the next area? And then we've got the other side of things, which is radar scanning, which is what we're calling like a charge scan wave, where it's the same system, you're holding down the, the scan button and that's pinging out across wider areas. And that's where you're looking at, you know, individuals, you're getting, you know, you're getting, okay, there's two guys over there, what's their details? Oh, there's, you know, there's an NPC over there. Okay, I can see an objective that I need to complete. And that's a bit more, because that's, so, that's more gameplay pervasive, that's something that's going to be more of a risk reward. So that's like, okay, I'm giving my location away, but they're also, so they may or may not you know, know that they've been scanned. If it's a player, they absolutely will be. And that's all underpinned off the signature system that we do for radar and scanning of the ships as FPS. So it's all systemic. It's not, we have to go in and they go, oh, it, it's this custom setup. So we have this kind of usability aspect for radar and scanning for people to be able to go in and understand. You know, I think there's been plenty of Reddit posts over the years of people go, oh, I wish scanning, you know, radar and scanning would do this and show me little info boxes. And yeah, we, we have that up and running. So there's the, that aspect of it, to, which kind of ties in with the player interaction experience of how you play the game and how do you understand what you need to do. And then there's the other side of things, which is then it's a more of a proactive tool of you looking through the environment and finding what you want. The second one, essentially, what we're about to see is kind of what I talked about, this is the second half of radar and scanning. So this is where they're still getting the environmental information, like whether you've got a vent or a terminal or a hacking area. Um, but you're also now getting information about the enemies and the AI and what's out there. So it's a wider and broader. Yeah, I mean, scanning. this is where you basically, it's almost like whether it's x-ray vision or you can hear it through the wall, but you could track someone on the other side of a, of a wall, but you're doing the charge scan, which is yeah. much more risky because it's noisy. And if people go, oh, someone's scanning, maybe there's someone over there and they can track you down. But it'd be useful in a st like when you're stealthing around, it's like you're gonna go around a corner, you don't know if there's some enemies around the corner right. and you wanna find out, you you know, you know use this. Um, it's very so, useful, yeah. <laughs> having played lots of levels. Defi with. Definitely because yeah. you know, in Squadron, you know, we're, we're trying to have a certain amount of realism, so you're not just going to go and gun down 400 people. So we want you, when you're in situations, you're outnumbered and you have to, you know, it's it's more of a stealth game in the FPS than it is a straight-out mm. run-and-gun shooter. Right. Um, bring it to the point of realism, then bring it back to the point of fun, as you well, said. Well, you know, it's, there's a lot of fun stealth <laughs> games. <laughs> All right, so I want to see this clip. I haven't seen it yet. Let's, let's roll FPS too.
So what you're seeing here is that he's going to do a scan wave in a moment. Essentially what you'll see is that it's now penetrating through the walls and now you can start to see uh, the slavers that are in this environment. Now these slavers don't necessarily have a radon scanner so they're not able to pick you up. So what will happen is when you do a scan wave or a charged scan wave, your signatures will basically um, skyrocket. So that's what will give you away to other people. So in the PVP environment, you're only getting, you know, it's, it's a big risk. You, if you want to do it, but you're giving away your location. So if, you know, if you're willing to do that, then so be it. But in a more of a PVE environment, what we're going to do is we're going to have tailored. Some, some enemies will have radar scanning and some won't. So if they do, then they'll be like, hey, I've just been pinged, and they'll get your location, and then they'll go and investigate. So what you're seeing here you know, on that video is kind of a, a more a wider, broader area and seeing through the walls, whereas the first one is kind of a more limited scope. And you can, you know, it's up to the player to choose which one they want to do. The first one is really more about just, you know, we want to encourage the player to go into an environment and go, okay, cool, I'm in this room. What, what things do I have to in interact with? And then the second one is more of the wider scope, like uh, Chris said, you know, when we're playing our stealth levels, you know, you need to have kind of a good understanding of where they are. And it's only temporary. And you, you will have a cooldown on that on that charge scan wave. So you're not just being able to spam it there forever. It's like you get a temporary picture and you go, cool, I've got a good snapshot. Now I'm going to you know, make my move and go forward. Okay, Jay, give me your thoughts on this one. Yeah, so I'm liking a lot of what I'm hearing here. Um, there's one caveat, and that is, you know, I, I think I'm not alone in wanting something like a a FLIR, like a, you know, heat camera, mm -hmm. basically. And this seems like it would preclude the use of something like that for gameplay reasons, because if you had something like that, you wouldn't, you wouldn't need, you know, uh, to scan, uh, if, to see somebody's behind a wall or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I like this. I, I like the direction they're going. Okay. Okay. Kalradi. Yeah, and you know, I can definitely see where, where Jade is coming from because, for example, um, if I'm playing at night, I find myself having to continuously spam ping, 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 ping all the time. And I really don't want to do that sometimes, you know. So it, it could be also attributed, or it could be also um, the same um, in, in the dark area. But once again, I do like, you know, that we're getting this. Um, and, uh, you know, in a game like Star Citizen, where we want things to not really be unholy, um, especially in with regards to the investigation missions that Elliot um, and uh, Luke Presley spoke about in the Citizen Con, where they want players to figure things out. It's really nice that we're seeing, um, you know, um, an element or a feature in the game that, you know, can actually help us rather than hold our hand, because we can use ping, um, like, and you know, similar to things like in, in Cyberpunk or. Um, similar to what we um, see if we played um, Batman games using the X-ray vision um, to actually assist us to, you know, uncovering certain um, elements in the game to go to the next level. Um, I remember, you know, and you can see it in, in, in many videos of new players. There are things, there are, there are items so embedded into the game, especially the loot boxes. You would see sometimes someone is actually literally trying to see, okay, can I pick this up? Can I pick that up? Um, because with the moment they interact with the loot box, they see another box and it looks just like a loot box or it looks like it's lootable, but in reality it isn't, right? So, so the benefit of having systems like these will help out greatly with regards to eliminating or mitigating uh, the hand-holy feeling, I think, mm -hmm. and helping to foster more different choices with how you progress in the game, be it single player and multiplayer. Yeah. 
FC? Yeah, uh, the, the thing that he, he talks about, like, if you if you ping and then enemies can know, know your position because they can, you know, try and see, see where, you, where you ping from. So I think it'll be imperative for, like, PvPers or even PvEers if you're playing against the environment just to scan, ping, and then move immediately so that people won't be able to find you if, if, if you check them off for whatever reason. And I, I don't know about you all, but I'm thinking if, if I ever get, like, a play about hab or something like that, I'm going to line mine with red so people can, can see inside. <laughs> um. I know for me, uh, there's one thing I'm happy about. I kept hoping that what they would not do is create a passive radar scanning system, you know, where you had the little mini map on the bottom and you had the little dots showing where everybody was at. I didn't want that because I'm, I'm still kind of old school from the days before the mini maps came and you basically had to take that risk of going out there and finding out if something was in the hallway, which I wish we kind of would go back to a little bit. But I do appreciate the idea of the advancing of technology and being able to use, like you said, a FLIR or, you know, the, the radar scanning. I'm hoping that CIG though, and I know some people are going to hate when I say this. If I'm on a mission, I want that thing to only work so many times before I have to do something to it. In other words, I don't want it to be infinite. I want it to be, mm. like you were saying, Calrati, you don't want to be like constantly pinging. I want to know that here's the unit I bought at the store or a component that goes into this unit. And when I use it, I get 20 pings out of it. That's it. And yeah, because that's going to make me think about when I want to ping, right? Versus me just walking down the hall, pinging every 10 feet. Now I might need it because there may be a part in that mission or whatever I'm doing where I really, really need those pings. You know what I mean? And it may yeah. force me to play differently than if I just kind of rely on the technology and I know that the technology is going to be there. It's going to work. Maybe the thing fails. You know what I mean? Maybe you get your unit and it fails. Maybe if you ping too much, you could burn it out. Break one. Yeah, you could burn it out or something. But I, but I, I want them to keep it so that it stays challenging and we don't get too much reliant on the technology. Because there will be people who will ping and they don't care. And they'll just constantly ping. Uh, I want yeah. it to be if you ping that 19th time, that sucker may stop on you and that's it. Then you're out of luck. You know what I mean? So you go get another one or get it fixed or get a component for it or whatever the case may be. I know that that sounds kind of crazy, but I like the, I like the higher level of risk. Uh, Cause it also brings you back to coming back to places and, and trying to, especially when we see how, what they're going to be talking about later on about AI, how AI won't repeat themselves. That even is another cool aspect of doing that. So anyway, that's oh. it for me on that. Uh, yeah, FC. Kakaori, uh, did you want to say something or? Oh, no, no. Griff actually said exactly what I wanted to say, yeah. Okay, so I was thinking, in, in, instead of having, like, a, 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 a limited quantity of ping, I would rather have, like, a time limit. Like, you can only do it every two minutes or maybe yeah, 30 seconds something or like something that, like yeah, that. Every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would, yeah this I mean, is the limitation. Yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, otherwise people would just be carrying a whole bunch of those, those, those items around in case in case it goes bad. That, that's that's, that's yeah, even better. I, I, prefer, I prefer like a, a two minute or thirty seconds or something like that. Yeah, that's even better. Some form of limitation. That's all I'm saying. It shouldn't mm -hmm. have this infinite type of just do whatever you want as much as you want. That that would bother me a little bit. And there's something else they talked about too. <clears throat> the first level of scanning he talked about. I think Calrati, you touched on this. Um, remember when they did the Squadron Forty Two vertical slice? There was that sequence at the end where they landed at this building. And he went into the building and wanted to open his big garage door and he couldn't. So then he walked over and went and crawled through a conduit, went and found these power relays, pulled them from one unit, 
moved him up. I was like, how did he know where that stuff was at to do it in the dark? <laughs> well, okay, so now we can see how that can happen. Because he said what you can do exactly. is hit that ping and it'll show you all the accessible areas. Wow, somebody raided us. Poodoo, hey, Poodoo, thank you. Poodoo Simon. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> Poodoo people, thank you for coming. Thank you, thank you for joining us. We're doing the review mm -hmm. of uh, Chris Roberts and Richard Tyre's conversation at the end of Squadron 42. We're doing a breakdown of it. Um, and then it's, uh, Citizen Con, Citizen Con. Citizen Con, yes. Yeah, Squadron 42. Squadron 42. <laughs> well, it's Squadron 42. Well, that's the part they were talking about. But yes, Citizen Con. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the, I'm, I'm hoping that we do see something like that uh, implemented in the game. Let's go ahead and jump into the next one here, uh, which was interesting. And it's the uh, next tier level, I guess, of animation for our avatars. And that was going to be um, Ledges and Ladders. Um, ledges and Ladders. Uh, you know, everybody knows the, the struggles of uh, elevators in the persistent universe, but that's not the only way to, you know, traverse the universe to get around and stuff. Uh, I understand that you guys have made a number of improvements to mantling over ledges and how to use ladders. I mean, Legend of Ladders is kind of... Uh, the best <laughs> so, game I ever played. It's like a board game. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's kind of a t two features that we're focusing on, but I mean, as Chris said, in terms of squadron development, we're looking at improving the entirety of the traversal experience. How does the player move and, you know, just from general locomotion and how that feels. And then in terms of, you know, the traversal moves so vaulting, mantling, ladders, and so on and so forth. So one of the two areas that we've identified that we wanted to push for was A for ledges, which is we wanted you to be able to, oh, I've just, I've slightly misjudged my jump because I'm in first person, you know, I can't see my feet. And, I, and it's, you know, it's kind of frustrating. You're like, oh, it's just right there. If this was real life, I'd, I'd just put my hands out and grab it, right? So that's the first part that we can actually grab onto ledges now that you're falling past so that you can actually then pull yourself up, uh, which adds just, it, it's, to be honest, it's huge. Like we've, we've built traversal levels now and it's, it's, the difference is night and day because when you're in a first person, it's very difficult to judge like right on the edge. So we can add a bit more challenge to the traversal so that you're actually moving around with ledges and grabbing and pulling yourself up. And then the other side of things, which doesn't necessarily sound that interesting in terms of, oh, it's improved ladders. But again, is if you play the star system right now, you get onto a ladder, you're, you're looking bolt straight forward at the wall, you're locked, you can't look around, you have no spatial awareness. It's just, that's it, you're locked in, you can't get off halfway, you can't jump off, it's, you're kind of very locked. So you what can't we've done- jump on halfway too. No, no, exactly. So what we did is we kind of leveraged how we did body dragging and that, you know, even though you're attached to this thing, you want to be able to look around. So you can attach to the ladder, you can jump onto a ladder directly. You can attack, you can run and jump onto a ladder. You can look around full 360 degrees. You can look around 90 degrees as you're going up, you know, and it's just a lot more fluid and a lot more, you know, it doesn't feel like, oh, I've just, now I'm locked in. It just feels like you're more of a human being on the ladder and you can look around. And then obviously if you can look behind you on a ladder that opens up environment, you know, opens up scope to jumping yeah. from that onto something else. So. It's yeah, because you can jump off the ladder halfway up it or wherever. Exactly. So there's a there's a huge amount of I mean, with in Squadron we're putting a lot of traversal gameplay in, uh, which will make its way into the PU when all these sort of systems settle. And I think you'll see a lot more. I mean, you already see a little bit where you know you could use a tractor gun yeah. to put a crate over or push something to mm -hmm. get up and look at stuff in derelicts right now, for instance, in the PU, but. Imagine a whole level above that, which is kind of what's in Squadron. I mean, even even that in the derelicts was really inspired by some of the early work we were doing in Squadron. But there's a lot of uh, like physical and traversal 
gameplay and puzzles in Squadron, and we're building the systems to also work well with that. And then again, with the systemic world like we have in Star Citizen, where you can move things around and they can persist, there should be multiple ways to solve um, the problem you're trying to deal with, which is how we've approached the squadron design is like in most of the areas that you go through, there's more than one way yep. to get to the end to solve the problem to, you know, do you, you know, stealth around, you just take it on head on and start shooting or um, is a way that you can, you know, do it without seeing anyone because you've just, you know, taken this difficult traversal path. So those are all things that are important. And, and so it's little, little things like this. And, and I would say, I mean, we've got a video to show, but we're still, you know, like some of the finesse of the, the animation detail is still to come. So this, a lot of it is, yeah, this is uh, a lot is the block out. out, but you know, we, you know, we, we have this beautiful motion capture stage here that we will show you guys at uh, some point when M the Manchester Goods Yards and this stage are fully finished. And then Jared will do a wonderful, we'll do a, a updated version of the 2013 tour that I did with Aaron, uh, but it will be in a much uh, bigger environment. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so, uh, but I, I would say definitely that, um, I mean, we could show up, but the, the, we got details to come, like, for instance, if you jump and you just make it, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, catch your balance and do that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. So that's not in here, but that's sort of the details, the finesse that we're adding to really have that sense of you in first person, feeling your body and your inertia when you're going up and, 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 and down on it. I mean, if you cut out to the third person, when you see some of the stuff, you sort of see some of it, even mm -hmm. in the blocker animations, but there'll be much more in the, the final version, but we probably should yeah, let's, run the let's video start. if we can. All right, uh, ladders. So obviously this, as you can see, this is final art. This, absolutely. So this is great. taken directly from Squadron Footage, didn't yeah. it? It's obviously a test map. But you can see here that, as Chris said, it, it, the, the, you know, the level of inertia is, is still block out phase, but you can see that we're actually starting to get, that you can grab on, you can go straight into a mantle or a vault, you can go straight into the pull-ups. And the thing is that what you're seeing here is, you know, while this is just a test map, a lot of these are providing design ethos to then feed into the PU. So if we've got derelicts and we've got environments that we want the player to go and do missions in, we don't just necessarily just have to rely on, you've only got jump, or you only can do vault and mantle. And right there, we did, a, we did a jump onto halfway onto a ladder. And here we're looking around to the left, to the right. Yeah, and you can jump off the ladder at any point. You can slide down it. You can do all sorts of things. Wow. And we've got a bit, bit of a sneak peak at the end. Yeah, so we're gonna find another one. <laughs> <laughs> the boss, the true boss. And we jump across to get on the ladder there. And again, these are all the block out animations. Uh, and uh, oh, I wonder what that is. So I accidentally put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I wonder what that is, Calrati. <laughs> I didn't see what it was. I wonder what that is. Um, so what do you think about this? This is like the next level of our movement, right? For our avatars, this vaulting and jumping thing. And we've been monkeying around with this for a little while now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, oh, me? Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, having played prototype games, having played um, Mirror's Edge games, having played, mm. um, you know, Call of Duty, Battlefield, Pacing the ability to traverse without feeling like you're being held back by obstacles is extremely important. 
um, especially when it comes to, you know, enjoying the game, even at your own pace, you know, just because you can immediately grab onto a ledge or, or so as soon as you um, go up to it, um, you know, quickly doesn't mean that, you know, someone who's going at a slower pace um, can't experience that, you know, um, or can't have a good experience with regards to that. So what I mean is, um, you know, making these transitions and these, you know, locomotions a lot more fluid um, for both the fast, medium, or slow player, I think is going to add a lot, a lot to the enjoyment of the game. Um, because once again, um, pacing is important. Having played some of these other games, um, you know, you can definitely see how much it adds to the overall enjoyment when you can just, you know, go up to a ledge, especially those who've, you know, done cave missions and you go down and you get trapped in that pit and you're trying to, you know, climb up that, that ledge and sometimes it's not letting you, um, or even, you know, if you're trying to go over or vault or something and you just, you know, just jumping over or jumping against the railing and it's not letting you vault, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, that obstacle or feeling like it's an obstacle, it really affects the game. So them working on this, I think is going to add a lot, even though it doesn't add in terms of, um, you know, the content in terms of the experience mm -hmm. with locomotion definitely, definitely helps. So yeah. I can't wait to get, you know, to get this and, you know, start testing it. Um, yeah. Okay. FC? Instead of all these ladders, why, why can't they just put in more ramps? <laughs> Make everything ADA compliant. <laughs> and I, 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 I love how, the, how they mentioned this is Final Art. I mean, because you know people went to Reddit as soon as, as soon as they said that. No people, it's not Final Art, they're being sarcastic, okay? <laughs> they're making a joke. And doing that, um, the demonstration of everything, I kept hearing Mario Brothers music in my head. Was I the only one? Boing, boing. I mean, I can understand, I can imagine that they're, they're, they're gonna make a lot of puzzles, um, missing, um, missing puzzles using these um, features and mechanics. Mm -hmm. And I, I and you know when you fail, I can just I can just imagine the detective pop up pop up at the screen and said the princess is in, is in another eight ninety. <laughs> okay, Jay, how about you? Yeah. So when I watched this, I my mind immediately went back to that Carrick commercial mm -hmm. with the uh, the guy repelling or mm -hmm. yeah, and I, I was thinking you know ledges are great, ladders are great. But what I want to see for explorers mm -hmm. is being able to climb basically anywhere that you could in real life, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, like rock climbing. And I, I kind of think CIG may have hinted at that because if you're in New Babbage, yeah. there's a rock climbing wall. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wonder if that's going to be like maybe the the test bed for, for their, uh, you know, free climbing technology. So this is one step towards that. Um, I'm looking forward to it, but I, I want to see them you know, move to basically what Calrati was saying, being able to freely move in any way yeah. is, is very important, especially for explorers. Yeah. You know, the vaulting aspect, we've seen that in the game previously. Um, I think what I like about it, well, one of the things I loved was when he was on the ladder, he was able to turn like, you know, 60 degrees to look over his shoulder, which I thought was great because right now we're limited with that. Um, also, the fact that he was able to do that 180 turn and flip, you know, and jump off the ladder in that direction was also cool. But I, what I really like is that it takes it outside of the idea of the game being so linear that you have to play it a certain way. Some people may decide to climb, some people may crawl, some people may vault, whatever the case may be. But the fact that it gives you 
you know, not such obvious ways to how you may have to traverse an area. I know right now for people who've done some of the derelicts, you do have to do some thinking about how to navigate through some of them. Cause sometimes you think that there's no way to get through somewhere, but you realize if you move a box or you put a crate somewhere, or if you move something, you can shimmy through something or climb through something. So I like the fact that they're, like you said, giving more flexibility uh, to you as a player to think about how you want to do it. If it works, it works. But if it doesn't, at least to have, you don't, you don't want to run to a situation and say, boy, I wish I could squat to do this, or I wish I could do this. I like the fact that you have all those options to you and you just have to figure it out. So that's, uh, I think that's pretty cool. And whatever they showed us at the end, y'all, y'all know they had something to do with, well, Squadron 42 probably. Cause it was pretty big when they looked down the hallway. So it's probably something Squadron 42 related. All right. Let's move on to the next one, because this is kind of a continuation of stuff you can do with your avatar. And this is dealing with uh, EVA and zero gram. The other thing is that we're also, you know, we've taken deep dive on things like the control input. So, for example, we've got action queuing coming up. So, you know, for example, if you're sprinting and you were, you were shooting just before you're sprinting, you might be holding down shift and left mouse button. And then now, what happens now if you then release shift, you've stopped shooting. But sometimes you want, to, you want it to continue shooting because I'm still holding the, the input that I want to do and what we're kind of terminology in terms of this action queuing. And that's something that we've, we've got a whole matrix of all the different controls, all the different methods from Chrome to Prouch, the transitions, you know, weapon swapping. And so that just you, again, using the controls is a lot more fluid, a lot more uh, intuitive. So it's something that we're really, really putting a really magnifying glass on to making sure that you're not fighting the controls. The controls are working for you. It's doing what you want it to do. So if you are using a gamepad or you are using a joystick or you are using mouse and keyboard, it's, it's easy to use and easy to interact with the world so that you can immerse yourself in the environments and the missions and the gameplay. So it's something that we're really, really yeah, pushing and, forward and, to, and, to make that. Yeah, in all aspects, right? Because, you know, prone's one of the things that we're um, you yeah. know, set to be working on here, right? The, you know, the crouching, the, va the various transitions between all the stuff. So some of the stuff right now in the PU's clunkier than it should be. Uh, and so we've really taken a deep dive on all of it. Yeah. And uh, to make everything a lot more fluid, but, you know, looking around on the ladder is a good example. Um, but also, you know, like on a bigger level, right, we've done a complete rework on um, like, you know, EVA, what we call sort of push and pull. Uh, there's, you know, physical interaction. Uh, I mean, we should probably talk a little bit about that. We have a video to show of that, but it's a complete redo of the current EVA system. Uh, and it has a lot more of the, what you would expect when you're in, in space, in vacuum, pushing yourself off. You don't, for instance, you have momentum now. So if you push off in a direction, you will just yeah. keep moving in a direction. Uh, the use of it's far more easy. Yeah. Handling weapons and looking around. And some of the tech that we've developed for the push-pull is the same stuff that we'll be that we're going to be using for prone and a bunch of other stuff and and really the looking around on the ladders is kind of based on some of the yeah i mean stuff. to be honest a lot of those systems are I and mean, when say chris says push pull he means zero g push pull yeah, not yeah. trolley push pull um, but Although we'll talk about that too yes we will but when we talk about uh evat2 and zero g the biggest thing again again it's just in being eva right now in the star system and just look left you don't have a stability of, of you, you know, if you're a human being, you look left, you, your horizon doesn't change because you move your head and it's the same. Our, our camera like tilts and moves and then you get into a scenario where you're like, you, you can't really understand the perspective of where you were in. It's like, oh, I'm now upside down. 
So EVAT2, which again, you'll be able to see a clip of it working, it, it's, it's night and day. It is a funda we, we basically threw the old one away, and this is a fundamental change in terms of how we work in EVA. First off, you're not upright. You're in more of what we call the Iron Man pose, so you're leaning forward. We still retain the upright pose for mm -hmm. certain circumstances, but it means that you've got a better sense of your actual volume when you're traversing forward, so you've not got these legs that you know, are beneath you. Uh, but you can totally look around, 360 degrees, your camera is stable, you, can, you, you get a good orientation. When you look back, you, you, know, you see your body, it's fully decoupled, so you're not just pushing forward and you're flying like a spaceship. You push forward and that gives you an initial inertia in that direction and you will keep going in that direction until you change. But then when you want to change, you just need to look at another direction and you push that way. And the way we've implemented it, it's almost like your suit's kind of similar to um, the IFCS on the ships, so that it kind of like counters the forces and then it allows you to go in that way. We actually originally tried it where you would drift and you know, actually do the curve, but it just made traversing more intricate spaces, which is what we want to do. And, you know, eventually we want to be able to turn gravity off in ships and that you can take those down. And, well, and it's definitely, I mean, that's part of the plan. I mean, we absolutely. even, you know, in the resource network um, uh, segment, that's one of the things. So all, all of those tight, intricate areas that we've built over the last seven, eight, well, ten years now, I suppose, um, you know, that you can go into those tight areas, you need it to be stable. You need it to be in a position where you can turn on a dime, that you can look upside down, that you, you get a good sense of, what, you know, your orientation. And I think that's something that we've really pushed ahead on EVAT2. And, and to be honest, the engineering team have done a really fantastic job. I, I find it a lot of fun flying around in EVA. Yeah. And then, I, and then I'd also say the other thing that, that we should point out in the longer term for the PU, not so much in Squadron because you're you're in a sort of pilot suit that has EVA as part of its mm. setup, is you not every not every space suit is EVA capable. So we're going to separate it where you have to have like basically an EVA pack, a, a, a rocket pack for you to sort of propel around. If you don't have one, then you know, it's the physical push-pull. So you can move along surfaces, you can push off against them, you come close to something, you can grab it. Um, if you're in close things and there's handholds, you can grab them and move them around. So we have this physicalized interaction that happens and you don't actually need to have your, you know, EVA pack or jet pack. Uh, and then the EVA jet pack is if you go out in open space, that's how obviously you can stop or change your direction and do the rest. And that will be more limited on fuel. So I think long-term in the PU, there's going to be some pretty interesting gameplay. Um, so if you, you know, if you do, I don't know, a boarding action or something, maybe you need a, a you know, a spacesuit that has the EVA pack, or you're doing repairs out in space in your spacesuit with the EVA pack. Yes, you will not be able to repair the ship in that, in that outfit right now, Jared. Um, but but <laughs> I, I think it gives a, it gives a really good, um, it's just going to give more options, more context, because like longer term, what we want to do in the in the PU is what you wear is important, right? Mm. So right now, everybody just runs around in a big suit of armor, a big space, it does, and no, we, we haven't don't. really turned on some of the features we've actually put in there that says, you know, for instance, you shouldn't be able to sit in a in in a seat of a space fighter in heavy armor. You just you shouldn't be there with your gun on the back. You should have to be, have a flight suit on or uh, you know, you come into a city, you shouldn't be wandering around in heavy armor because that's antisocial. Maybe they don't let you go in there. So we want people to have reasons to uh, wear different things, uh, have storage. That's the whole point of the physical 
uh, inventory system and as we're starting to roll out more of it's coming in in squadron and then in the PU that's definitely coming online uh, and you know things that we're doing like that with the you know the physicalized cargo and everything else and if you look at all the new ships there's always locker and storage there's there's you know we have a whole system for um, outfits now mm. that we're was first yep. going to be in squadron but then come to the PU it's designed so there'll be a nice sort of lock almost like a wardrobe system that you can go in and and hang up your outfit and switch quickly into another outfit or switch into this clothes armor or, everything yeah so we, we want it we want it to you know be your virtual second life and, and we want to make it as easy as possible for you to manage all these different things that you can wear for different roles uh and you know eva is one of the minor parts of that where like i said you you either have an EVA suit with a pack or not, but you still will be able to move around. And we should probably run the video. Yeah, so we can good job bringing it back around to EVA at the end like that. Let's yeah. take a look at the EVA <laughs> video, uh, see what we're looking at here. Well, and as Chris says, in terms of, you know, here we go EV, the EVA, this is what you're seeing here is that you'll probably see some of it in the third person, the thrusters are not um, firing because yeah, it's, the, it's the, decoupled. The old VFX, um, yeah. it's also the old VFX code. So we haven't part of a proper, this is the a current PU suit versus what we'll have as a new one with the proper like pack that has the thrusters in the right position and when you go forward the thrusters going from the back. So what you're actually seeing here is you've, you've actually connected to this surface so now it's almost like you're in a prone situation but this is going to be what more, more our new prone will be. Again you've got full 360 degrees you can just move your mouse and you look all the way behind and, you or all the way in front. And right now we're moving along here not because we're thrusting, because we're using our hands exactly to move ourselves along, and we're looking around as we're doing that. If we went out to the third person here, you would sort of see us moving our hands around. I think we'll see it a little later on. There we go. Here we go. So we're just sort of pulling ourselves along, and if we wanted to at this point, we could stop and we could push off against it, and then we would just go floating out into space. So that's the sort of idea of what we call push, push pull. Um, and so what so you're seeing he here, just, yeah, he just yeah. pushed oh. himself off. So what you're seeing here, that's actually um, kind of you're just floating alongside the actual um, this fin of this uh, Asiata station, and this is actually keeping you in this orbit. And then if you did, and that's just you just push forward and go oh. where you can actually jump off into space. But then this becomes one of the if you look at physical traversal where you've got jumping and mantling and vaulting, this is where we have zero g push pull. We have the tractor beam that kind of pulls you around in EVA, and then we have your EVA pack, which is limited by your resource of EVA fuel. So this allows you to kind of manipulate and, and go in EVA and allows us as developers to build EVA traversal spaces, both wide ranging and both small scale. So yeah, here's, here's I mean, we were before in first person looking around, but here's us cutting out the third person to actually show you what your, your character and body's doing. And so there's a lot of, I mean, and these are still, block out animations actually but so there'll be a lot more like nuance or, or fidelity to it but yeah you have you have a lot more um, control uh, you know directional sense uh, ability to look around ability to stop yourself uh, so I think you know in this one we're going to come up close to the glass above it yes. and you're actually going to see us like if you fly into something you sort of arrest just again block out animation but you're going to as we get down close to it, I think we're going to come down. You'll see uh, as uh, uh, our character comes down here, our player comes down here. Yep, uh, put our hands out to brace ourselves to stop ourselves on the glass here. Uh, so all of that's like systemic. It's that's not that's not marked up or anything. It's all 
ray casting, seeing of things, you brace yourself when you come up against, hold on, arrest your thing, you can push off against things. So we've spent a fair amount of time in engineering on all this, but it, it's not just for squadron, it's going to be, you know, it's obviously useful in some of the environments of squadron. This is one of them, obviously, the Acidana Spatial. You're going to look down on the slavers that you saw in the earlier scan. Uh, but, you know, the use of this in the, you know, the PU is going to be massive. And also the big thing that Chris said there is it's systemic. There's no markup. If you want to go and climb all over a ship, you can do. If you want to climb over a space station, you can do. If you want to climb over a, anything that's in EVA, it has a surface, you can, and you can put your hands on it. It's got a big enough space to put your hands on it. It will work. So there's, not, there's, no, there's no like, oh, it only works in this scenario, or it only works in this scenario. It's, it is what you see here. And then as what, what we've not been able to show today, which is we have, do have working or partially working, is that when you go into very tight environments, if there are handholds, you will be able to grab onto that handhold, or whether it's a terminal, or whether it's you know a hatch to get into a ship, you'll grab onto the handhold, and then you know instead of putting your hands out and landing, you'll grab on, and then you go, cool, I can use the terminal, or I can look around. And again, you're not locked in. You can look all 360 degrees. You'll switch hands as you look around, and you can get a sense of okay, where do I want to go next? I want to go over there, cool, or I want to go through this door, and it and it works in tight environments, wide scale environments. And fundamentally, it's a lot, lot nicer to play than our current version, which is just, it's... No, it's, I mean, it's, it's massive for the game. So I'm, you know, I think there'll be a lot more sort of EVA, external action. Yeah. Uh, the combat's better. It's more, much more stable. Uh, I think, you know, we'll see a lot of puzzles and traversal in the PU that can be built from that. Because we don't okay. really, we have a lot of stuff down on planets, but it would also be nice to have more like exploring a, you know, more the, the sort of derelict asteroid bases yeah. kind of things and EVA. Uh, I think, you know, we all love science fiction, obviously, yeah. we're making these kind of games. Um, that, you know, this, that's sort of a lot of classic sci-fi that you see. So we, we spent, you know, that's, that, that is a, that's an example of us being able to spend the time mm. to really think about how we want the system to work, how best it's going to work. Uh, and bed it in and squadron, and then it'll be something. Because yeah, we did two or three years. iterations. We did, uh, you know, we did two or three iterations. Of how we wanted to do? It. Did we want to have this Iron Man pose? Did we want to have it upright? Did it blend between them? And we were playing it and playing it. And it's like oh, it doesn't feel right. And now you can just, you, you know, it when you get it right because you can just go, and you're like, oh, this feels really nice. And you just end up flying around the level and connecting things. And so yeah, it's, it, it this unlocks content. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I purposely didn't watch the videos. I wanted to be able to react as honestly while we were recording as possible. And I know you said those were blockout animations, but as somebody who's been with Steve Bender on a Friday night at the Oust House, like, that looks just like... Steve Bender? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Steve. Uh, but no, it looks great. And I think everybody who saw that now is going to see the potential, the, the absolute gameplay potential for all kinds of zero-G zero gameplay possibilities. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting stuff there. Uh, Jade, give us some thoughts on this whole piece with EVA, this new Tier 2 version of it. Yes. This, yeah, I'm, I'm liking what I see, mm -hmm. uh, but I do have questions. So, you know, for a long time, a, a lot of people have been wondering if we get something like a decoupled EVA mm -hmm. and, you know, have to conserve your suit uh, thruster, um, you know, fuel or, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, this 
basically confirms it. We've been shown it. Um, that zero G push and pull that we saw on and off the roadmap, mm -hmm. we got to finally see it. So I'm happy about that. Um, you know, I'm getting some real expanse vibes with one exception. I wonder, and I know they didn't show it here, and, and this is my question. Everything we saw here, the, the player character was moving parallel to the surface. And, you know, like in, in some instances, you're not going to want to do that. Mm -hmm. You'd want to be moving perpendicular. And he mentioned, Chris Roberts mentioned, well, you can't see it here, but the, sure. the path that, yeah, the path mm -hmm. that they're going to have on the suit would have the thrusters in the right area. And I'm just wondering, will it have thrusters in multiple areas so that you could reorient yourself vertically perpendicular to that surface? Mm -hmm. So that, that that's you know the, yeah. that's one question that left me scratching my head. Like I don't know about this. I'm I'm assuming that they're going to have to because Richard said something that I didn't catch the first time, but when you, when I watched it this time or before this time, I kind of caught it. Remember when he said if you're moving, he said that they actually wanted to make it that if you looked in that direction, that you would be able to go that way and that the suit would compensate because before they were going to do like what would happen naturally with inertia and make a wide curve, but they said mm -hmm. that going through narrow spaces and stuff that would be difficult so if you look sort like let's say you look 70 degrees the impression he gave is that the suit will adjust with its thrusters so that you can actually move much quicker in that turn i would assume and, and to your point i was thinking the same thing i was like yeah this looks really cool on a smooth surface but what happens if there's something in front of you that's two feet off the you know thing like how the hover bikes used to be you know what i mean yeah am i going to slam into that is there a way for me to go up you know if necessary so I'm like you, I am curious about the control aspects of it. Cause mm -hmm. it's just great when he's on a nice smooth dish, you know, moving mm. across it. But I was kind of like, yeah, but you know, what happens if you're on a rough surface or something else? Will it, will it adjust? I mean, I just don't know how they're gonna naturally make real adjustments in that because if the surface yeah. is uneven, it's, you can't just naturally, you know what I mean? You can't just naturally, like we do with the hover bikes. You can't right. do that hover bike, yeah. You can't do that it with a suit. Exactly. And then, you know, think about going into the backs of ships that have ramps, like mm. the MSR or mm. the Cutlass. You don't want to go in Superman style and just belly <laughs> flop on, you know what I mean? It makes, yeah. And yeah. the other thing, this is even bigger than, than all of that, and they didn't touch on it at all. Do you now inherit the inertia yeah. of what you're on, yep. right? Mm. If that ship is going, you know, yep. 200 meters a second, yep. Do you inherit that inertia if you if you detach from the ship, uh -huh. right? Or does that ship just go flying well, off like it does now? Well, you know, let's talk about that a little bit because a lot of people don't know that the reason, one of the hurdles of being able to walk on your ship when it's moving is that they have to make you also move at the same speed that the ship is moving. Then you have to be able to adjust for you to be able to walk. I mean, it's no small task is what I'm saying to do that. So now what happens when you're in anti-gravity mode, right? I mean, is it the same thing? Because you're not attached to a grid at that point. Right, Jay? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that brings up the whole thing of, you know, the, the physics grid system yeah. and Star Citizen. And are they making adjustments in the engine that are going to support, you know, an actual mm -hmm. realistic EVA experience where mm -hmm. you're now inheriting the the inertia of the object you just detached from well here's the other two and calrati let me jump to you on this 
because he talked about two different ways of doing EVA. Like Jade said, one where you've got to pack on, but he says, if you just have a flight suit on and he was working on the assumption, if you were in a confined space, like in a ship that you could push off and, you know, make your way through, right? We've seen that done on ships in space and whatnot. But you know, there's going to be some people who aren't going to have a jetpack and going to take a chance on pushing themselves into the hole of the satellite station, hoping that they hit that sucker. You know what I mean? So yeah, you can hit that that pinhole, man. Or if you Easy miss, either. or if you miss, and you don't have a backpack on, like Jay said, a nurse says you keep going. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm curious to see what's going to happen with that. I I hope they keep the the tractor not to bring, not to bring up tractor beams chat, but I hope. I hope they keep the the grappling uh, yeah, aspect of the yeah, tractor beam in space because that would allow that that well, player that mm -hmm. made the mistake that you know pulled himself back. Yep, yep. Cal Roddy, what do you think about yeah. the EVA piece? Any thoughts? Um, so uh, just to you know build on what uh, Jade was wondering about, I remember a couple of years ago, um, Todd Pappy he was asked a question. I think he was, it was a calling all devs question or calling all devs que um, session. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was about um, whether or not we would actually um, inherit the inertia after we were um, after we ejected from our seats mm. from our pilot. And he said that that was supposed to be working. And he asked Ivocati to look into it and file bug reports. Mm. Um, so I'm guessing that it's supposed to be there, but maybe for technical reasons it hasn't been in yet, or maybe they it broke something and they actually haven't addressed it, or maybe it's just on the back burner. So. It was refreshing to hear that it was supposed to be working. Um, so we're going to assume that, you know, eventually uh, we do get that feature. Um, with regards to the EVA, you know, <laughs> this may be the first game that I actually switch in and out of first person in terms of first person mm. experience of the simulator, mm -hmm. um, just to experience the, the, you know, just to visually experience the mobility of the player. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when referring to the other games before, like Prototype, um, you know, even Horizon Zero Dawn and some of those other games, or even the first-person games like Call of Duty, Battlefield, um, Mirror's Edge, you don't necessarily have a choice, but you still enjoy the mobility and that experience. Mm -hmm. But, you know, seeing the whole Iron Man pose, et cetera, et cetera, and, um, you know, thinking back on a certain game, Anthem, um, you know, it... <laughs> Uh, this may be the actual, um, the first game that, I, that based on their ability to deliver with regards to the mobility and the EVA and those things that I actually, um, switch between third person and first person, uh, you know, depending on the, uh, on the, on the scenario, because they seem to be doing a really nice job in terms of the direction okay. with regards to the EVA. So I like what I saw. And I do hope that, you know, based on the discussion here with regards to where you're looking, if you can push up based on where you're looking. Mm -hmm. And I do think that they're going to possibly combine aspects with regards to, for example, the ladder. Remember where we had that 360 degree ability. Oh. If we were to look in a certain direction, we can jump from the ladder. Who knows if we're an EVA, um, if we're looking in a particular direction, we can push off from a surface, you know? So um, hopefully they apply some of those aspects and I'm really looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. But Escar Kevion said something right when this video started, which I thought about the first time we saw it too. They were grab mag mag hands, but no mag feet. Yeah. And I do have a concern about that in the sense of the idea of playability, because in space you use both to pr to propel yourself. Uh, and so here we kind of see this crab walk that's taking place with just your hands and the feet are floating in the background. 
do you think that that's sufficient or do you think CIG should make it where there's more of a hand foot motion like this? Because Jade mentions the point of, yeah, the Superman pose is great, but when I need to stand up erect, my feet need to be anchored to something. And based on what they showed us, we don't see that being able to happen. We see the hands anchored, but not the feet. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, so real quick, I remember... Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, fast car, and you can jump in, Cal yeah. It's probably more animation and more work for them because it's probably easier to do the Superman thing than the Spider-Man thing. That's it. I mean, and people will say, oh, that's just Spider-Man in, in, in the face. So I, I could see them t t trying to be different if, if that's possible, if they wanted to. But, but I don't know, also, FC, cause it, if they've got to do bipedal or, you know, four-legged creatures walking, I mean, that's not that big of a deal. It really isn't. To create that, I'm I mean, to us it may not be, but we're not, you, you know. Maybe I don't know. I'm I'm not a developer and something like that. I'm not so, easy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm yeah, talking yeah. about a sense of realism. I, my question becomes: How do I push myself off other than my hands? If my hands are just, I, I mean, if hand. I want to stand erect to walk into a ship, but there's nothing magnetic on my feet, how am I getting into the ship? You know, that's that's mm. the thing. And I'm saying I'm having a problem here with the. Pardon the expression, Jay. The science of it. I'm, I'm having a problem with the science of it right now. You're good. Me. You're good. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I, the, the, to me, it, it, it didn't bother me so much. So I'm like, I'm okay because I mean, as a person who who had limited use of, of the of the leg, that that that, that, that didn't re, 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 really occur to me. So I, I I can see I can see your issue. I can see your point. But yeah, to, to me, it's like well, and Superman is actually one of my favorite poses of for for, for flying. So yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm all about that. People talk about Batman with the utility belt and and and, and chat. I'm like, eh, I was never really into Batman. I know that that's me, I know, but I was more of a Superman fan, so I'm, 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 I'm this is great for me. Uh, <laughs> okay. TV, oh my God, TV oh, wow. Liquid. Oh. TV, thank you. Oh my God, 187 viewers. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, TV Liquid. Welcome TV viewers, TV watchers. <laughs> thank you guys. TV, hope you had a great stream. You guys, make sure you check out TV Liquid and follow TV. Always a great supporter of us as he's wrapping up his stream. Thank you so much for that, buddy. We appreciate you. And thank you guys for coming. We're kind of doing a recap review of the last presentation done at CitizenCon where Richard Tyre and Chris Roberts gave some details about stuff coming up in Squadron 42 and the PU. And we're having fun with that conversation right now. Cal Roddy, yeah, some... oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to go back no, to what Cal Roddy wants to say. What do you want to say? Yeah, go, go. Cal Roddy couldn't go first. They didn't come back to me. All right, Cal Roddy, go ahead. Were you going to say something about the EVA, something you had in mind? Yeah, real quick. Um, so I remember that um, Richard Tyra, a couple of years ago, he, he had addressed the whole MacBoots thing, and he said that because there are more materials um, in the game other than those that will you know, work with MacBoots, um, they were looking into the whole EVA assist, where if you want to walk on a surface, um, you'll actually use the EVA jets um, you know, on the suit, depending on what suit you're wearing, um, to actually keep you close enough Ooh, to that. They're going to make you burn fuel? Oh, my God. <laughs> and oh. it's a choice, I guess, you know? Yeah, so a choice. Okay. Oh, boy. All right. 
some of the other things that I I, 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 I took note of during this part of the presentation was um the tilting and, and not being the idea of not being locked into your character mm -hmm. I, I I'm really looking forward to that and because I mean that does kind of suck because it kind of it kind of throws off your sense of balance especially you have a big screen and whatnot you try, you're trying to feel I'm not going to use the word immersive being locked in doesn't really um, feel good but from a, from a play style perspective yeah. And I, 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 the EVAT two when he's doing that that look around on on, on the station or on the um the glass and everything, he looks like he's got he's kind of going into into a, a breakdown pose. So I'm gonna call EVAT two the electric bugler. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and I, 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 one last thing that I'm in note of, you're talking about walking in, in the city with heavy armor, how people may react poorly. Uh, that's something they, 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 they've always wanted to, to put in the game. They, they talked about that before, and I'm looking forward to that also. Yeah, yeah. And, and Chris talked about the fact that they want people to think about wardrobe. I think we even see that coming up with one of the upcoming right. patches where they're talking about uh, now we'll be able to swap out clothing on ships and things like that. And there are some of us already who do swap out. I don't run around in armor. I know a lot of people do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, but I don't. I, I swap out. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. The, the thing that I'm waiting on, guys, is this right here. I'm waiting on the time when you're with your friends and you're someplace and your enemies show up like this and one of your foolish friends decides to shoot out the glass to shoot the guy. I'm waiting on that. <laughs> so everybody just gets sucked in the space. Oh, I'm boy. Waiting. There will be someone, happen. I guarantee you, there's going to be somebody that doesn't suck everybody out in the space. I guarantee you. It will mm -hmm. happen. That glass is oh. tough, though, Griff. That's oh, like, yeah, but that's like talking, a diamond lamb that laminate or transparent aluminum or something. You know there'll be somebody that will take their gun out and start shooting. You know this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's true. You know but uh, to your point, Griff, I've mm -hmm. been seeing lately a lot of people Thanks walking around the verse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, with just clothes and, and yeah. stations, because now you can go from a city to a station to another city mm -hmm. without having to put a suit on. Yes, absolutely. Uh, space hey, yeah, I've gotten, I've gotten to, to the point now with the persistence that's in the game currently that I always keep a suit of armor and a suit of clothing on my ships. So whenever I mm -hmm. land somewhere, I'll change in my ship. And stuff stays for me most of the time. I don't think I've, it's been a long time since I've had stuff just, you know, up and disappear on me, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm yeah. already kind of practicing that idea of, you know, dressing for the occasion, as we would say, right? Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, definitely. Yeah. One last thing, you uh -huh. mentioned acting crewing at the very beginning of the video, and you didn't really cover that. That's something I, I want to hear more about because I, I would like, like the idea of crewing actions, like like Mass Effect. You, you, you can crew action to um to to perform certain action. So I, I, I want to see, want to learn more what how they plan to implement implement that in in, in Star Citizen Squadron Forty Two. Implementing what was it again? I'm sorry. Action queuing. Action queuing. Action queuing. Yeah, action, cooling, okay. cooling action. Okay. He, he mentioned that at the very beginning of, 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 of oh, this particular it. segment. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All righty. Let's take a look at this next section here. This is something people were asking about long time. Other, I mean, there's some smaller things. Like we have one other thing here we have a video for, which is, you know, it's not as big as a system as, like, say, the EVA replacement, but like the hover trolley mm. that we've got. Uh, I know that I saw it. I really like the hover trolley. Yeah, no, I, li I like <laughs> I really it. Like I it. saw the Reddit thread said, why didn't someone do a hover trolley? Well, actually, that was something we've been working on for quite a while. Uh, but the thing I will, we, we, can sh we can show you here in, in, in a few minutes. But the thing that's 
really good about this because, you know, obviously the physical trolleys, the wheels get caught. I mean, just like in the real yeah. world, right? Uh, and you've got problems of going upstairs and all the rest of the stuff, just like you would in the real world, uh, is that it sort of opens up the potential and this really plays into the PU. We use it in Squadron for certain things like you'll, you'll see in what we show here, but for the PU, it's actually much more interesting because you know now you have the ability, we always had this design for our like bigger um, cargo containers, right? Ones that you can't right. just pick up yourself. We originally had this design where there was sort of a gravel lever system where yeah, you, you stuck in this thing and the gravel lever would come up and then you know now you can push around you know, a huge container. And we're moving for physicalized cargo. Uh, it's going to be in 318. Um, I think Tony's trying to squeeze a few things in. We'll see if he manages to get everything in. But um, this isn't necessarily going to be in 318, but it will come in probably, you know, not too far in the, in the near future. But this allows you... Careful, Chris. <laughs> to not, you know, just have your little tractor beam and pick up something and move it around. But, you know, okay, let's have a bigger container. And what happens if... You, okay, turn it on, up it goes, and then you just push it into your cargo hold, turn it off, locks into the cargo grid. And now that cargo container, imagine a bigger one. Well, you know, what happens, you know, like right now in the inventory system, you can put things in your, you know, local inventory of your ship or, um, you know, other various inventories. Well, imagine your container, say one of these bigger, like maybe a 16 SCU one or whatever that's sitting there. And now I can place, I don't know, large vehicle um, items in it. I can place all sorts of stuff in it. So I could load up this container, I could push it into my ship, then I could fly it off to some remote planet and put it next to, you know, where I'm camping out or longer term where you say maybe a player base or some group of players with persistent decide to take over a derelict or something. And I can like basically load up a bunch of supplies in a, in a container, like bigger supplies or weapons or armor suits or whatever and put it in there just by doing this. So, it, so it, I think, you know, the underlying sort of hover tech for the trolley stuff is really good because it, it will really play into the, the cargo and the logistics that are going to come hey, with that because a lot of systems of what we're doing, I think there's going to be a whole bunch of gameplay that will be revolved around the logistics of, of living, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I... How do I have my food? How do I have my drinks? How do I have my raw materials? How do I have my weapons? Uh, you know, if two orgs are fighting a war over a patch of land, someone's got to show up with extra, you know, <laughs> ammo and missiles and, you know, all that kind of stuff and or weapon replacement, especially as we get repairing and the salvaging and stuff, you know, okay, well, rather than have to fly it to a place that can do your repair, maybe there's an on field repair that's happening right there and someone's changing out a broken weapon for another weapon because you've loaded it up and stored in, in uh, your container. So I, there, there's the possibilities in the PU is huge. And this is an example of just little bits of tech that we're putting into Squadron that we're planning on bringing it across into the PU. But in the PU, they just have a lot more potential, like like the EVA. So. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing about trolleys is when we approach trolleys with the physical trolleys, was that we wanted them to serve two purposes. One, we wanted them to serve a purpose that is more traditional games, which is, you know, I can move things around and that allows me to create, you know, traversal opportunities for me. To, if I'm blocked, I can move a box over here and oh, I can get up higher yeah. now, which is kind of what the more physical trolleys are kind of better suited for. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is another example where we kind of put trolleys into the PU, but there wasn't really a, a use case or best use case so that at the moment they're just used as enemies or I've seen people fly them as missiles out of ships and but 
they, they're not really utilized for what we want them to use. And then you've got the other side of trolleys, which is we want them to be used for cargo loading. Now, again, we've got a lot of ships, we've got a lot of different ramps, the scales of those ramps is larger. And with hover trolleys, what, you know, when you see the video, you can push them downstairs. You can push them up any ramp. You know, the, the, the weight that you're having to physically push a physical trolley, which is taken into account, hover trolleys, you don't have to worry about that because, you know, let's play the video. Let's see, see the video. Let's see the video there and you can, We've you hyped can this it. up now. Hover trolleys yeah. are the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah. Here we go. So you can see here, this is actually a, um, slaver, a, pod. a slaver pod. So It closes know. down. It's on the floor. We're going to activate it. Levitates up now. Grab Lev's arm. You get hold of it. Bam. And by the way, our new, the new interaction system is not working yes. in, in this demo here. It's a separate build. But we're, you know, as you can see, it's getting pushed over bulkheads. Bulkheads. But this is essentially a, a really big improvement for us because we want, you know, we want physical cargo, and we, we, we want physical cargo to be a really a big deal in the PU that you have to have to move that cargo, you have to make decisions on how long it's going to take to load it up, not just buy it from a kiosk and it appear in your ship. So and this gives us the ability to do that and, like Chris says, move much larger things than what you'd normally be able to push as a human being. Yeah, I mean, this happens to be just a, a slaver pump, but you know, obviously you'd be pushing, uh, you know, as long as it's grab lever equipped and has the sort of hover device, then, uh, you, you know, like I said, you could have large uh, shipping containers and stuff like that. And this is all underpinned by our grab leg technology, so the same you know, if it, as a dragonfly, or eventually you'll be hopefully be able to move much larger ships if you need to rearrange them, or you know, when you're moving things around uh, on your homestead or whatever we do eventually. And I've actually we've actually had this working on a planet, so you can just push this over planet terrain. You don't let go. You stay stable because uh, it, it doesn't actually undulate uh, unless there's unless there's something actually physically touching it. So it allows it to be much more stable. And what we want to do for your uh, cargo loading is that we'll use a system similar to the cargo grid that you'll be able to snap things on top of it. So when you, if you have a flat platform, you'll be able to snap cargo boxes onto it so they won't fall off. And then you'll be able to you know, reliably move them without frustration. And again, you can see some of our design ethos coming through is that we're trying to remove the barrier to entry. We're trying to remove the, the control mechanism, the things that frustrate you as you play the game and kind of make that a lot simpler. I see this and all I can think about so, is Spock and the yeah. photon torpedo tube. That's true. Yeah. All righty. Calrati, we uh, saw these pods when the Cutlass Blue came out, and we yeah. saw them when they did the reunion with the Banu that was in the back of the MSR, and now we're seeing uh, the actual pod much better, open, close, all that stuff. I think it was also... In the, wasn't in the caterpillar uh, mission, was it? With the prisoners, yep. was it in there too? Yep. Right? Okay, yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So, what do you think about this whole thing? You know, and let me say this. I got to say this first. Remember when the trolleys first came out and people were going crazy <laughs> about the trolleys? And I said, guys, <laughs> trust me, they're gonna do the grab lift. It's go, it's gonna come. Okay, just give it some time. They got to get the tech together if it's gonna happen. So now we're seeing exactly. that, right? It's here. Okay, it's it's almost here. Right? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah, so, you know, oh, man. So as Star Citizen evolves and as we get more points of interest and and particularly um, more things to do within a particular area mm -hmm. where we have to rely a little less on ships. Let's say, for example, go to a bunker mission currently. 
and we do the bunker mission. There's not a lot to do around the bunker mission after we do the bunker mission. But eventually when things become more tight and where, you know, a lot more activity start, starts occurring um, around a particular mission area where we have to carry things or where we have to do things and we say, okay, um, it doesn't make any sense going uh, or using the chip. That. Um, you know, we are seeing the benefits hey, of the solid We're able to you know, carry, um, you know, a lot of these assets, cargo, all those things over a certain distance where it doesn't just that wouldn't make any sense using a ship, mm. right? Because currently that's what we experience right now, right? We do a mission, we do an activity, um, if it's game-based, not creativity-based, and we then leave the planet or leave the moon. But, you know, I foresee in the future when you know more activity occurs around a particular area and we have to carry or interact with certain things and carry certain ca cargo or bodies or anything within a particular vicinity because there's a lot more activity there mm -hmm. we're going to be using and needing things like these this kind of heart um this kind of um hover trolley tech okay. so that's what my thought process um on it is and decided to be able to you know apply it to that kind of um scenario okay. fc I'm, I'm enjoying chat. People are saying Charlie the Dangerous. I, 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 I was curious watching this. How many people you think are, are going to be killed by Charlie when, when, when these release? It'll be like the um, PTV for an art cup all over again. People people dying left and right. Uh, I also wonder how, how destructible these trolleys are. Like, are they going to be indestructible or are they going to be pretty tough? Like, uh, I wonder if you can uh, I almost use one to destroy a ship or damage a ship. So I'm curious about that. But as far as um, th this thing goes, it it's kind of neat. It is neat. I, I, I still like the idea of, of, of a wheeled trolley. But I, I, but I'm okay with um you know going over you know going up and down stairs um going over um bumps and everything like that. I can see the need of a of a hover trolley. But I mean one thing this right here. I mean showed me is that we just one step closer, one step closer to having a, a battle trolley. I'm looking forward to that. Hey Jade. Okay, so um. To uh, Fastcar's point, I don't think these are going to kill anybody. I think it's the only the wheeled things, like that wheeled gurney and the wheeled walker. Those things, they will put you in the hospital, right? Um, they need to fix that. But in the meantime, can we please have wheeled, uh, sorry, hover gurneys? Uh, I've been having a lot of fun running around the universe doing medical stuff. But more to the point of this, um, I'm excited about this for another reason. So. I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking of the way GravLove works now. Granted, I said now, don't know how it's going to work in the future. Mm -hmm. But right now, if you were to drop a GravLove vehicle out a ship, hot drop it, it will land without being destroyed, mm -hmm. right? It, it, it cushions itself. So I'm looking at this, and they called it a, what, a slaver pod or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, that's a drop pod. Right? Like that, at least in theory, based on the current mechanics we have in game now, you could use such a thing to drop somebody. Yeah. No parachute needed, none of, no ropes, no, none of that. Drop this thing and there you go, you're done. You could have an ejection seat with the same grav left technology, right? So like, I'm thinking they can apply this to a lot of things 
uh, that people want. They, they want to be able to eject from their ship. Okay, put a grav lev on it, right? Um, they want a drop pod, like the nails that the UE Marines use. Okay, well, they won't give you those because they already said they wouldn't, but you can have an escape pod that you can go down to the surface of a planet on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, not just because, you know, it's for the, the hover trolley itself. To me, that that's the least interesting application of this tech. It's that it can be applied to a lot of other things that people want. You know, one of the things that I saw in this, and Jade, you kind of went there a little bit, we were talking about medical. I kept thinking, you know, thinking about how paramedics and EMS people move now. I was thinking about what happens if the beds in the Cutlass Red are actually detachable and like this, so that you actually oh. remove that, come out, like when you're going to a bunker and you actually could sit it right outside the door of the bunker. Or if you're in, a, in the battlefield area where you can literally, instead of picking a body or dragging a body, but you literally can just put it on the slab, you know, then elevate it and then push it into your cutlass red and drop it into the spot where it's supposed to be for medical, right? Kind of like yeah. a stabilizing table while you're moving them. And then once you get them on the ship, you do whatever it is you need to do to stabilize them further. So I would love to see them take the technology, like you were talking about the, the current beds that we have for the hospitalization, right? Uh, if you're in your cutlass red, once you get to the hangar and you want to get that person to the hospital, you just detach from that bed, you know, instead of transferring them over to the one that they have and you push that in instead and then just replace it with one that's there, something like that. Uh, but I was just trying to figure out how do you cut down the amount of dragging somebody on and off a table, you know, when they've been injured uh, and just do it maybe just le fewer times than before. Um, Apollo has some kind of... Was, uh, you're going where I was going to go next. Yep, go and, ahead. And Apollo has where there's a door that, uh, that drops down with their table uh, that levitates down some type of way, tractor beam, whatever the case may be. You put people on it, just like when we see a helicopter drop the little basket down and you pull people up. The Apollo has a similar type technology, except for it's wireless, wireless. Uh, but you're able to bring patients up from below, I guess when you're in uh, areas where maybe you can't land or tight fit or whatever the case may be. So we see the technology kind of springboarding there. We're gonna say Calrati? I'm hearing all this fancy talk about how you're going to be handling your patients. And I'm like, listen, mm -hmm. I have a tractor beam on the ground. My co-partner has a tractor beam on the ship. Yeah. I'm going to fling the, the patient up. They're going <laughs> to catch them with the other tractor beam and that's it. Right? They're already yeah. incapacitated. They're not going to feel anything. We yeah. got to just break a few more bones what do they care right they yeah, won't I mean, it. it was their it was their oh, fault they got it imagine imagine you, you're on a mission though and 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 and, and, and the mission and the mission objective is to make sure you get the patient to where where they got to be with minimum down damage as possible so you don't you don't want to do something like that to, to that patient nobody's gonna know because most likely you know <laughs> You know how many times people's fingers slip off that mouse and drop those bodies when they be trying to use a tractor <laughs> beam, okay? So you already know yeah. you'll be jacked up when they get where they gotta go. Uh, but yeah. My, 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 yeah. 
my, my question while watching this is like at, at the at the end of the video where they, where they turn off the grab lab and and the, and, the, and the trolley um mm -hmm. floats mm -hmm. down i wonder like if something's underneath that will it get damaged if, if there's too much weight in, 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 inside inside the trolley or like can you imagine like it's it, it, someone turning off the trolley and and, and, and your toes get, get, get and your toes or something get caught underneath it's like make sure you make sure you, you feel it clear don't, don't, back away from from the rolling trolley i can see something like that uh, happening chat i have a question to ask you should i put like a little thing down there when you use your chat points that says fast cart can't tell jokes for 10 minutes that you could click on let me know in the chat whether i should put that in or not this please type, chat. This, type, this type of one if i should put it in there okay <laughs> if somebody's foot is underneath it okay all right let's uh let's go there you gotta go to ones they are popping up okay let's uh let's go ahead and go hey if, if, if you love me and want me to keep can you make it a joke put a two in chat okay put yeah. a two put two ones in there that's what i said put it in there, okay? all right let's go ahead and jump into our next piece here uh this one's interesting because a lot of people weren't expecting this but it's definitely something I'm sure made some smiles on people's faces. Well, uh, the other aspect as well, in terms of just quantum boost, the radar scanning, which is it's a really good example of a feature that we've put onto the PU in Star Citizen that isn't hit the what we envisaged it to be, because right now you're kind of limited to 20 kilometers. Now, really, you know, I think you've seen quantum boost in some of the mm -hmm. earlier videos. Um, the premise that we want you to be is, you know, we've got this vast universe, so we want radar and scanning. We actually, you know, we have this smaller radar scanning of on the FPS. You have the smaller one that's giving you information in the room and then the larger charged one that's giving you information about maybe the floor that you're on. And it's the same principles in the ship side. It's that we want a smaller one that is fairly instantaneous and that's kind of giving you information about the people you're fighting or, you know, your, your local environment. And when I say smaller, I'm talking, say, sub 100 kilometers. You know, that's just giving me information around this area. But then we've got the charge scan wave and that should be giving me information about things that are 10, 15, 20,000 kilometers away. And then that's where, I, where Q Boost comes in, in the fact that yeah. you're Q boosting to these locations. You're not having to go, okay, there's a quantum travel marker there that's a million kilometers away. That's like, okay, I'm making a conscious decision to go there. But for Q Boost, it's like, okay, I am there. I want to boost around the environment, but I want to have things spread around so that, you know, we're not just cramped in because. Radar and scanning is fundamentally, it has two purposes. One purpose is to give you information about the things in your environment. And the second purpose is to help you explore. It's to help you find things that are not necessarily apparent because space is a big, dark place. So we need that, we want to be able to take advantage of that. So when you have this ability to detect things Thanks that are much further away, all of a sudden you start to feel like yeah, you, you are that you, pilot. You've you got to fly to them to, yeah. to investigate them. I mean, so, I mean, I think that's, like that's a good example of something done squadron that you know we were also looking at like how do we solve the problem of your you know patrolling an area right and it's not very much fun if you patrol an area and then it's like i you know space is big i go to this area and then i look around and i my radar covers 10 kilometers yeah. in front of me and that's it that doesn't feel like i was right. patrolling you know a large area of space and so we we sort of were thinking about well how you know really if we think about it there's like short range which is you know what you would call the standard control mode like uh, slower exploration i come up to a you know a derelict or there's a cluster of asteroids that i'm going to fly around to see what's happening and then there's the medium range which hasn't really existed in both the pu uh, and it's something that we really wanted to have in squadron and we really should be in the pu which is 
well, you know, what's that over there that's 10,000 kilometers away? Mm. The, the equivalent of being on a planet and going, there's a mountain over there, I can see it. I don't know what's on it, but I'm gonna drive over there, I'll walk over to that mountain. Uh, and so the idea with sort of the, the scanning is like, the wave goes out and yeah, you'll pick up things 10, 20, 30,000 kilometers away. So you definitely won't be able to understand what's there, but you'll say, there's something there's a point there. of interest. Okay, there's a point of interest. And so you'll be able to map things and then we need to get there. But you know, the quantum travel, spooling up, spooling down, or, right. and we, and so this is the whole quantum, the idea of quantum boost is your sort of uh, mid-level traversal speed where it allows you, it's probably about 10th the speed of the full quantum travel, uh, sort of, you know, not using all the quantum juice, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, but it allows you to sort of get there pretty quickly and, you know, also appreciate the environment you're going through uh, and, you know, get over there. Oh, I go up to the mountain. Okay, no, I can see what's that. Oh, there's trees here. Oh, that's really cool. And that opens up a whole bunch of gameplay. I mean, definitely helps out in, in, in Squadron, but in the PU it's massive because in the PU, when this rolls into the PU, now you can have exploration gameplay in space. So for instance, you could Which be we've there. never had. Yeah, we've never had. <laughs> we've so never had. So you, you could be in, you know, a big nebula gas cloud and you scan and you, oh, I get a contact 20K away. Okay, I'm going to boost over to see whether, oh, I come up, oh, look, it's a, you know, it's a derelict or there's there's a abandoned mining station, there's this group of rocks over here or I go over here. And, and we can even in the PU be in a case where you can sort of almost sort of, ran, you know, procedurally generate some points of interest when you start to scan that you can go and, and, and visit. So I think, you know, the whole idea of sort of these three, these three sort of levels of traversal, one is you sort of, you know, regular, you know, non-quantum one where you're just using your regular thrusters, which is much more sort of limited and, you know, works for, you know, combat and stuff like that. Then there's a, the quantum boost, which is sort of to, you know, fast, fast run over to a place. And then there's the, the quantum travel, which is the really long, okay, I'm going to go to this planet that's 500,000 kilometers away and I'm going to be in quantum for five minutes to get there. Uh, and I think that's going to open up a huge amount in the PU. Uh, I mean, it definitely it makes a big difference to the gameplay. I mean, it makes the exploring in squadron in space feel much bigger yeah. because that was the thing we were trying to fo follow. And I think it's a problem in the PU right now is when you're in space, it's sort of like, you know, most of it is it's point empty. To point. It's empty yeah. for you, yeah. right? It's like you spend your time around the space stations or, uh, you know, some asteroids here around the planet, but we want to open it up a bit more and have that idea of, oh, I can, I can detect something. I want to investigate it. So the whole sort of exploration, um, investigative gameplay that can happen in space now because of these different modes of travel and the scanning is going to be uh, a, a huge, huge deal. Uh, so I know we have a clip for this uh, for folks who maybe joined the program late and didn't see the flight experience segment earlier, or if you're watching this separately on YouTube and you don't know what this looks like, uh, let's take a look at the quantum boost clip that we have uh, so we can see it one more time here. So just to call out, that's going to be the old HUD. Yeah, that, yeah, that is the old HUD. That's too busy. Right, that's so. the next old HUD. <laughs> yeah. Earlier yeah. we were showing the old, old, old HUD. So we've done a scan here. Those are, that's also the old... Yeah. Point of interest, because the point of interest will be just points. Yeah. But basically, we've done a scan. We've got some points of interest that are, uh, you know, multiple 10Ks away. And you can see the distance there. It says 13,000 kilometers on the right-hand side. So this is obviously just placeholder UI for the quantum boost. And we, Again, you can just boost over there. 
and it obviously has this interactive gameplay which obviously went into uh, yeah and this by the way is that, that's all program I work in progress from Yogi uh, on uh, the thanks for the follow um, because you're just going to have to stay in the zone to keep in boost otherwise you'll fall out of boost uh, but we've gone over to the, the the planet here. So what it's allowing you to do is sort of have that mid-level traversal and investigate things uh, without having to, uh, you know, spend forever at 1,200 meters per second or quantum traveling over it. It's over too quickly. Okay. FC, quantum boost, quantum boost. We kind of have a version of this a little bit. You know, when you get into orbit over planet and you want to go down to a base, you can kind of lock onto that base and you kind of get that short boost that gets you, yeah. you know, within 20 kilometers uh, of it. So you think this is kind of like an enhancement of that, just that you can now pick where you want to go a little bit more? It seems like an enhancement or iteration, if you want to say that. Uh, and also, and I want to say the 2019 Con, when you went into the, um, the warm, not the wormhole, but the, made, made a quantum jump mm -hmm. from, from one system into pyro, so you, you had to control the, mm -hmm. um, the ship in order mm -hmm. to, in order to not hit the, hit the edge. Mm -hmm. the, the, the end of the, the um, animation that they showed reminded me of that. The, make, make, make quantum jumping a little bit less boring. Mm -hmm. but some people may hate it because they, they're used to spending five minutes to make a sandwich and only hit like that went there in, in, in quantum jumping so I can see some people may not like it but I think um, making make, make gameplay about it I, 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 it makes sense to me yeah yeah Jade we get submissions sometimes right when you're doing like a bounty hunting thing or something and you jump there but you still got to travel like 300 500 kilometers right to get to yeah. the POI right uh, you think this will kind of make people who into that type of thing a little happier so that they're not spending, you know, six extra minutes just cruising to their destination? Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, you know, this is a game about choices. And if somebody wants to fly that mm -hmm. on hydrogen fuel, you know, they can, right? Mm -hmm. They want to enjoy the scenery. So it's not like they're taking anything away. Mm -hmm. And uh, to Fastcard's point, I don't think that this is going to replace the the quantum that we have, the quantum travel we have now for people that want to go get that sandwich, they could still do it that way, I, I hope. Um, you know, because like, let's be real, like a lot of times you're gonna need to get up and do things, right? So I, I think from what Chris Roberts said there is that this would be a way to do it so that it's not over so fast. But it's again a game of choices, and it, hopefully you'll you'll still be able to do it the old way. But this way, they'll you know there will be advantages of noticing things that you wouldn't if you just quantum traveled fast. If you're an explorer, you don't want to go everywhere fast. You want to be able to vary your speeds. And what I love about this is that I think I asked a question um, in one of those Q and A threads about objects of interest, mm -hmm. like the plane of the ecliptic, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you know, right now everything in Star Citizen is all on the same plane. Mm -hmm. And, you know, anything that we go to is all on the same plane. But what Chris Roberts said there is they're now going to open it up so that we can go anywhere mm -hmm. and explore space anywhere. And I, I've seen many heated conversations about when we were going to get back, or if we were going to get back, um, the ability to freely quantum travel, and it would usually go like, I'd like to just be able to jump anywhere, and there'd be people, why would you want to go 
anywhere. There's nothing there, mm-hmm. right? And he's telling you, no, there will be things there. There's going to be a reason to be able to jump anywhere because that's what space exploration is. It's not going in a lane. It's being able to go wherever something is that you're interested in. Right. Jade, I just have to let you know, I'm going to play on my own, so just letting you know. Okay. Okay. You are on your own plane. Your humor yeah. definitely is. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely on another plane. I won't argue that point at all. <laughs> hey, I got two. I got two. <laughs> Blame Chad. Yeah. You know, Kel- <laughs> Kel- Roddy, I think Jay was doing this too. We do want to distinguish the difference between quantum travel and what they call quantum boost, right? Yeah. Uh, quantum boost is much more within the system, within a shorter range, he talks about, and uses a shorter amount of, of quantum fuel uh, to do it. Uh, do you think that they'll allow us? Because right now, the way they set it up was that if you're like, if you reach an area, you decide to do a scan, you detect that there are some things in the area, 150 kilometers, 20 kilometers, whatever the distance is, you turn to that item, you basically lock onto it because obviously you can't see it if it's 20, 50 kilometers away. So there's still a form of automation here, right? You still have to lock onto what you scan, but the manual side of it that Fastcart mentioned and Jay mentioned is that small bit of mini game, right? Where you've got to keep it within the center or else you come out of it or it stops working for you. Jay just mentioned though, that idea of going back into free jumping, you know, where you could literally just hit the quantum and go, right? Um, do you think that they'll kind of finally eventually move us to that? Cause this is kind of a, a step of being a little bit more in control of, cause before when you up and went, you weren't in control of it. You just turned on quantum and went, right? But here yeah. you do have some control. Do you think they'll kind of mix that? Uh, when it comes to just doing that total manual jumping into quantum thing. So I hope they do because, you know, eventually when we get to a point where, um, we come across star systems where there are planetary bodies hundred thousand kilometers away and we isn't on our star map by default, mm-hmm. um, quantum boost can carry us or maybe it carry us to a certain distance, but, um, freely being able to jump with maybe perhaps consequences if it's a longer recharge time or something versus not being, you know, versus being able to calibrate to a known location right. um, will allow us to actually, you know, expand our reach in terms of exploration, mm-hmm. because I don't expect, you know, every single planetary body when we go into a star system or even, um, you know, especially when long for long distance probing, mm-hmm. um, I don't expect us to know or be able to, you know, have all those, all that information um, on a star map, right? Um, we may know, um, five planetary bodies when we go into a, um, you know, a star system, but there could be two or three planetary bodies that is, you know, far beyond, um, and the quantum boost may not necessarily give us, I mean, who knows it may change by then, but, um, now at least for, from what we see, it may not give us that distance, but, um, freely jumping or freely being able to jump to an uncalibrated destination. Mm is going to be pretty cool. It's going to give us that kind of um, exploration, that kind of reach, um, maybe for a longer recharge period or something because of the um, uncalibration. I mean, they can put in um, a whole bunch of creativity uh, um, and be creative with, with the gods. Well, so let me, throw nice. some, let me throw something at you. You tell me what you think about this. I've yep. always said there needs to be, like I mentioned earlier, when I was talking about using the scanning, there should be limitation to it. So you just can't rely on technology. Fast card suggests that maybe you can only do it so many times or so much time goes by before you can do it again. I think that if you manually jump, you run the risk of running into something. I'm, and I'm saying that, remember when um, in Star Wars, they were talking about 
they wanted to jump into hyperspace and and luke was like why don't you go ahead and do it he says i'm waiting on the the computer the navigation computer or else we might fly into a star or some asteroid or something like that right my thing is if you manually jump versus if you lock on to something where your computers calculate that it's cool to jump there if you manually jump i think the risk should go up of the possibility that you could end up running through or into something some of you might remember back in the day when you used to jump in out of certain belts or into belts sometimes you'd come out of quantum and a freaking asteroid would be two feet in front of your ship and you would yeah. crash remember that now it was frustrating as all get out but it was also very realistic to a certain degree yeah. right because there are objects, there are certain places in space where you could, there could be a random, it may be one in 1,000, one in 100. But if you manually jump, I think that there should be risks involved in doing that, especially if you're if it's not short. You know what I mean? If you're going a long distance, I know there's a lot of space in space too, don't get me wrong, it's hard to run into stuff. But I just think there should be some, some form of risk, you know, that yeah, doesn't yeah. make it just like a, you know, I can just do it and I know nothing's going to happen if I do it. You know what I mean? But that's just me, y'all. I just, I don't yeah, definitely, definitely. I know, Jade, I know it ain't scientific. I know space got a lot of room yeah. in it. I know. You can already, you can, know. you know, you can't see know. me giving you the yeah. side eye. But... Uh, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming more from a gameplay standpoint because there's always been this conversation when they took away free jumping about people who are PVPing and how it makes it very easy for people to just up and go you know what mm-hmm. i mean in the middle of a battle yeah. and, and i'm i'm looking at it more from that perspective more than the reality side this game should never be balanced around pvp period right right. i know that's controversial no, no, right, but right. it's it's not it's not a pvp game it's an it's a full universe first person universe as, as they call it which but, 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 has pvp I, as an I would, aspect i would agree i would agree but i push back on the fact of that there's a dynamic like for example, P- defense mm-hmm. about PVP is more than just jumping away, right? It could be a whole lot of other things. I'm just saying, like for example, if I'm flying a defensive ship, I'm not gonna fight, right? But right. I am saying that if I'm in my, my 890 and I'm deciding to jump away without thinking, without planning, without locking onto something or whatever, there might be some form of risk with me jumping manually. I don't know what that risk could be. I don't know what they it could, could be. They Maybe could, the longer they could say I'm you're in using quantum, more yeah, more maybe using fuel. more quantum fuel yeah. or the longer I stay in quantum, maybe there's some aspect of burning out my, you know what I'm saying? If it's a short jump, no big deal. You know, I'm getting away as a short yeah. jump, but I'm just saying I, I want to have some challenges so that there's nothing in the game that you just do it. And I don't have to think about good or bad what comes out of it in the end. I just want some challenge. I don't know. Maybe it's just, I, no, I get, I get what you're saying. I, I just think artificially generating asteroids where there wouldn't really no, be no, no, any, no, no, it's no, no, a no, little no. weird. I don't mean like that. I meant like, that's why I said when it was in the belts. Remember before? Yeah, you come but to it's some in of the belt, belts, definitely. Be, right, yeah, you fly into it. Because going through Stanton, if you, I forget where it was, but you used to come out and there'd be like a whole bunch of belt, you know, remember there's one couple of moons that had like debris fields around them mm-hmm. and you would come into those suckers and you sometimes you'd be too close and you'd slam right into one of those pieces of metal. That's the type of stuff I'm, I'm talking I'm, about. Yeah, FC. I'm going to give a, a, a serious answer for, for once because I, I can see where Griffin is coming from. I, I think like the more populated a, a planet or a moon is, the more um, artificial satellites uh, it, it may have. Like if you if you try to fly around Earth, Earth has a whole lot of um, sh- sh- satellites. So you, if you try to quantum in, 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 into that too close to Earth or some some area around Earth, you may risk the the um, the possibility of, of, of hitting one. So, but if it's going to the moon, which they're pretty much empty, you, you, you may be okay to, to, to just um, manually quantum. Yeah. 
And the moon's empty now, but in 2952, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> May that be, right? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I think you guys get the point. I'm just saying yeah, I think there I get should point. be some aspect of, you know, when you do it, think about it. Maybe like you said, maybe you should burn something more, double the quantum fuel or something. Because you're not yeah. using the computer it, now, right? You're just yeah, because you're not calibrating. Going. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're burning a lot more. Yeah, something like that. That would be cool. That would be cool. Okay, let's keep going, y'all. I told y'all we were going to be running a little long tonight, so, you know, this is a little bit longer than our normal night. I projected at the beginning, and I can tell we're going to be there. This is actually the longest piece I think we got to do, but it is also one of the more interesting ones, and that's the one on AI. So let's, let's, look, at the, let's look at some videos. <laughs> yeah. So I, what I'd suggest, I think, we'd probably show the investigation first yeah, before we, we go into the combat. Because the other yeah. thing is outside of, you just talked about combat, yeah. there's a whole bunch of other behavior in terms of, because, you know, like I said, stealth game plays a lot. Yes. So... You know, squadron is the test bed for that. So investigation. So like someone hears a noise, what's that? Let's go check it out. They radio their, you know, back to base or their buddy. Hey, I heard something here. Yep. They get in a gunfight. They could actually call back. Hey, I need reinforcements and they'll come in. That's all behaviors that's in working right now in squadron. Yep. And then on top of that, you know, you're making the joke about the, the bartender. All Thanks for the really necessity. Uh, the main you if we uh, you. Thank you cooking guys. bed for what we call social AI, i.e. non-combat AI is squadron there's a lot right. more stuff happening in in uh, in squadron that will come into the pu so it's not just the bartender or you know even people eating at the chow line it's you know it's you know engineers going about their daily business or uh, a janitor you know cleaning up messes that people leave systemically or for instance flight attendants or hangar personnel yeah the hangar pe that you know basically operating on the hangar and then when they're not fixing something they're having a conversation on the side for instance there's a whole dynamic conversation system uh that francesco has been working on that allows our ai say aboard the stanton which is the interest that you're based in uh, Good and it's huge the conversation it, when yeah. you're playing through it at a level and you can hear them talking to each yeah. other and reacting to what's happening it all of a sudden brings that space to life so yeah but the dynamic conversation system allows it so we have some that are sort of more story scripted conversations yeah. like if you eavesdrop on some people patrolling and it we've got some stuff we want to let you hear so you know where to go and stuff like that but also there's dynamic conversation mm. so people can just sort of you know whether it's in a mess or they sit down and they just start up a conversation talking about the most recent vid show they saw or uh you know talking about what they think the best i don't know ship thruster is uh and there's a system in for that and we're creating a recording but that's also a system that's going to come into the pu that's going to create a huge amount of life. So when you go into a bar in the PU or you're wandering around the, you know, the big point of interest, the cities, people will be having conversations, gossiping, talking about, oh, well, there, I heard there was something went on, the Ninetales attacked someone in Arias and Honora, and, but it will be systemic and dynamic, which is really cool. And it because, just adds so yeah, much. It, will, it just adds so much. So let's look at some of this in action. Uh, 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 we don't have the conversation system stuff to show today, but no. the, uh, let's look at some of the investigation stuff, and then we'll look at some of the uh, combat stuff you were talking about afterwards. So we've actually got it as two videos. So okay. there's the investigation in the test map. And what you're seeing here, in some respects, it, you, you might think that this is scripted, that this is something that we just put on a track. This is purely systemic. So if we, we captured this... 20 different times it would be 20 it would yeah. play out 20 different ways so the one those individual there is gonna is going away to hide behind that orangey boxy whatever we want to call that yeah. color so that's the player gonna go. this is essentially a standard for the player the other two ai are searching for him at the moment 
the white spheres you see are basically Couple hiding points. a cover spots. And so as AI, this is a sort of debug mode, as the AI goes around and they search, the, the spheres go away indicating that, okay, they've checked that place, so no one's actually there mm -hmm. hiding out in cover. So, and they, they're both kind of working together. So their, their logic is they need to clear these rooms first, and then once the rooms are cleared, they can sort of go so on. So they share there. this information. So as they're clearing the cover points, and the cover points are basically all the nooks and crannies in the room, they're clearing the cover points and they're sharing together. So you'd see here that they're going, okay, this guy's coming out and go, okay, there's an open vent. Again, this is systemic. He's just coming to investigate this vent, but he's not cleared this entire room yet, so he's not going to progress. And he's just going to go and check the rest of the room alongside his buddy. And once they've then cleared it, they'll then progress. But again, here would be, you know, you'd hear them talking to each other. I've not found him yet. Where is he? And again, if that, we've got so vents in here. He's checking another vent there. Yeah, so we, we, don't, we also have other usables. So it might be, a, you know, something you can hide in. Or he, they're going through systemically, checking the usables, checking the cover points. And you can see there's only a few balls left now. The ones at the bottom right and then the ones at the back that he's clearing. And then the, one of these enemies will then go, okay, we've checked everything in here. I'm now going to progress to the next space because that's where, you know, they're not in here. I think you're yeah. going to go this way. So they've come back. There's only one set of uh, ones left. He's going to check it. He's going to come through here. Cleared those. So now he's going around here. And... Fire and away! And what you're seeing here with the bar, which starts off, is something that we added for the perception. So they start off in green, and then it goes to yellow, then amber, then red. So once it goes to red, that's into full combat. Yeah. But the previous states are kind of levels of, um, they go up based on levels of different perception. So a green might, they just might have seen you. They, that's the equivalent of going, huh? You know, do I see yeah. something? No. And by the way, in the game, you don't see that. That's our No, debug. no, that's yeah. our debug. That, that's just indicating yeah. uh, the level and the level in the game would be but like we'll have it. audio and visual yeah, exactly. representation for those levels so the the initial green one would just be like like a head turn maybe a verbal cue then you're getting into the yellow and amber that's where they're like they're turning to face the noise and going i think i'm gonna go check it out and then you know maybe they'll walk over there to investigate or if there's two of them one of them would go hey you go check it out and then he goes and checks it out and then we have obviously the red where it's like there's a definite threat here and once they've been threatened like in most games, what happens is if you wait a long enough time, they will then de-escalate to the green and it's like right. their minds have been, you know, it's like MIB, they flash through memory and it's gone. <laughs> in our game, what they do is they go to a threatened state. And in that threatened state, they'll still do their social activities and their functions, but they're more, they're more perceptive. So as soon as they see it for like, he's there again, they'll get into it. So it makes a difference that if you've gone loud at the start and then tried to hide, you can't just go, yeah. oh, no, they'll forget about me. It, it, it has memory. And that would be the case in the PU as it is in Squadron. So, um, and, and so that was on a test map. Yes. We do have a, a, an example of it working. Yep. So I'll let's, roll let's, the clip. Let's uh, take a look at the, the real deal. So here's in Asiado in the decommissioned area. Okay. You can see the two AI in the, in the distance catch you. And then this is kind of just a representation of, of it doing the same thing in a real environment. But obviously we wanted to show you the kind of the, the thing behind the curtain. What are they actually doing? They're checking cover points. They're checking the usables that are there. And then, you know, in some, a lot of the cases when we actually captured this video, uh, if we actually failed because they pincered the player and they actually found you before we were able to show you, you know, what was happening. So it's, uh, 
it, it's really good to see how this transition from social into combat so that you can actually play through the game. Better check that out. So here he's checking a, a, a usable, which we've set up. We're just kind of like looking and checking, okay, is there anything there? Nothing there. And again, he's sharing that information with his buddy. So if you've got two, three, four AI that are searching, then obviously they're sharing and talking to each other and letting them know that nobody's found you. Like you, you may not be able to see them, but you're going to know they're out there looking for you. And if you, if you stay in the same place for too long, they will find you. Yeah, so you can see the, the one in the background is actually looking over one of the vents, one of the railings, should I say, and then I think the uh, Ross, who did all captured all these videos, I think he takes a bit of revenge. And again, not scripted. The, 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 it's systemic. They understand all the hiding places. They, they, this is their station. They understand the hiding places. They understand where to look, and they just go through. Some, uh, yeah, so you can drop these enemies in any environment, and it will, they will play out like this. But obviously, what they, the choices that they make at runtime will be different. Wow. This is where you know, we have to make sure that the AI that we're working on, even though we're working on it in Squadron, it has to work for the entirety of Star Citizen in all the different environments, in all the different scenarios that you're put in. So it's, right. uh, it's, so a, it's a major improvement. So that's hiding from the AI, but let's look at some of the combat tactics sure. now. So uh, let's do combat tactics one. So again, what you're seeing here is in a test map. We wanted to just kind of show you a bird's eye view. So we've just turned God mode on so you can see it. And you can see the labels here. So we've got the defenders that kind of push to cover points. Then we've got the, the pusher who's kind of pushing towards you. And then we've got the strafer who is kind of like taking more of a wider angle. Now, there are some similarities between all of the behaviors, it, but it depends on what happens. So whether they go to cover, you know, a pusher, for example, can still go from cover to cover. A defender can still go to cover to cover. So it's not like you've got these binary choices. It's about weighting the different choices throughout the behavior so that the AI provides something different, but also applies pressure to you as a player so that you're having to react to the AI. You know, right now, our current AI, you basically get the jump on them, and you can just take them all out. But in reality, what we want is we want you to react to the AI because they're pushing you and challenging you. And we want, you know, we want that challenge to be fair so that you feel like you've made the mistake when you eventually, or if you do, I get taken out. I want to get some of that God mode. Yeah. Uh, and then we have one more video showing the tactics yes. situation. Let's take a look at that. So this is just a short version where we, but again, it's the same uh, AI uh, that have been dropped in. And, and they, they roll the dice for, they don't always become defenders or always become pushers or strafers. Uh, it can be random every time, so the combat experience is different. Oh. So you, and you might all be pushers and they might all be defenders, but the way it works is if one of them rolls a defender, then the weight for them to roll another defender is lower. So essentially here, you can see here that uh, he's getting tagged a lot just because we want to show you the behaviors themselves rather than you know, get taken out. So he's being a bit more aggressive than you probably would be able to. That's going to make uh, uh, the eventual, eventual speed runs a lot harder because they're not just Goombas that do the same thing every time. You can't no. memorize the patterns. And the other thing you might have noticed as well is that we're starting to have traversal opportunities for the AI. So they're not always just on, yeah. on the base map. They can mantle over, you know, you, in fact, I'm not sure we've Crouch, seen mantle, climb yeah, ladders. They can, they can jump over railings and, and, and push you, or they can climb up onto things and shoot down on you. 
uh, they can use ladders, they can do all sorts of stuff. Um, so we, we're putting a fair amount of work into AI traversal so they, they sort of understand the environment and how to traverse over it other than just flat ground. Um, and of course, you know, on some of that, I think you saw some of that, he didn't get hit right away. Some of the early shots missed and then they hit him. That's kind of what Rich was talking about earlier. Because, um, you know, it's, it, it, like Rich says, it's very easy to make, you know, AI aim perfectly all the time because they know exactly where you are. Yeah. Uh, they've got all the numbers, um, but that's not any fun. So the fun is making them feel real, like that's you're playing against another real uh, player or a human. Okay. Um, Calradi. Uh, AI, um, something that we've heard about for the longest time. I like the part at the beginning. It's kind of funny. I remember back in the day when Chris first started talking about stuff that the different AI NPCs would be doing. And I remember him making that comment about the janitor, right? And everybody's wondering, why are we worried about a janitor cleaning up? Well, look at all the medical gowns laying on the ground and now we get it, right? Okay, this we see why the janitor is important, right? Um, so yeah, give me some thoughts about this AI. Any part in particular that sticks out to you, whether it's the combat or general stuff, whatever what you want to talk about. Yeah, so first I have to, you know, um, uh, point to the monthly report, the constant, you know, AI mentioning the body of work that goes into, um, you know, this development. And we see it as a testimony in the monthly reports. And also we see that uh, we actually see it in the flesh, you know, for lack of words, um, in these videos, you know, all of this um, that's contributing to it. Um, and the one of the main things also that um, Richard Tyra had mentioned is that they can plop these AI, these NPCs down anywhere that they choose, depending on the situation, of course, and they will adapt. And in the game like Star Citizen, where, you know, they have to create so many dynamic things to capture the interests of players, um, be it tailor-made missions or just AI encounters, um, they need something as dynamic as this. Um, so it was really nice to actually hear that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very, very much looking forward to experiencing this kind of AI because the thing is, especially um, with regards to uh, Star Citizen compared to um, other games, uh, at least right now, we aren't bullet sponges. So to have AI so tactical, so capable of doing these things, it will make the challenges feel a lot more um, interesting. And, um, you know, uh, subsequently, the rewards that we get from accomplishing either by surviving, by running away from AI who's chasing you down or by assassinating or even working with them, I think is going to feel a lot more fruitful, you know, um, once we, you know, can actually get this kind of an experience, this kind of AI in the game. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. FC, you got any thoughts about the uh, AI? Uh, this game makes me miss the old days where AI was pretty much dumb. They, they follow the pattern. <laughs> you can get away once you, once you, know, once you know the pattern. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to miss those days when when it's just finding it in, in, in the game. Um, this part particularly, I'm, I'm wondering whether or not the AI will be smart enough to cover areas that they've already covered, or once they, they clear an area, like they, they, they were clear, can 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 you go back and, or, well, he, he came back to, to, to an area that he already cleared. So, um, yeah, so I, I, guess, yeah, I guess the AI is going to be too smart to, um, to get away from, and that's going to be scary for me, because I'm, yeah, I'm not good at the FPS stuff. Mm, okay. 
update? Yeah, so to, just looking at this and um, I was just reading Physium's uh, comment in chat about they look so incredibly easy. I think this video itself was showing them in a much more slowed down state. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, if anybody who's ever been in uh, on a fresh server yep. with a current <laughs> dumb AI we have now on the bunkers, yep. they're they're pretty good. Yep. They're they're you know they're a challenge. This will make them even more challenging. Mm -hmm. um, you pair this with along with what they said about uh, stimuli. They're going to react if they hear a sound, mm -hmm. and that, that's both for you defensively. Like you'll be able to throw something and distract them. They'll go over and look at it, or if they hear your footsteps, they're going to come over to you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I'm all for AI getting much more intelligent. But again, it's going to come back to tick rate of the servers. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much work they put into this mm -hmm. if they're hampered by that tick rate. And I really hope, you know, that when we get this, that the server states are better to where we can fully appreciate um, and, and notice this change. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that about the uh, fresh servers, right? Because it's kind of like when you know you got a fresh server when you first log in, there's nobody in and nobody's standing on chairs, everybody's doing their thing, right? <laughs> and then you come in another time and everybody's just kind of standing there looking crazy. And I think even Jared talked about that. He talked about when they did Siege of Orison, when they um, did it on the singles, you know, the server that they use for practice, they're intelligent like crazy. They're, they're a huge challenge. But then he says, as soon as they go out, you know, to the PU and those tick rates them, they all get dumb, you know, so you're yeah. right. We do need the technology to be able to see this because unfortunately, uh, bad AI in, in any type of competitive game or combat scenario just kind of ruins the experience, right? Uh, when it's just so easy. I hate to say it, but even in the bunkers, there's some situations, certain missions that you even know you have a certain amount of time to do something before the next group comes out. They all come out grouped up to gang together. You just kind of mow them all down. You know, I love the piece that they talked about, about the different types of NPCs, the defenders and all the different ones so that they'll make a squad and the squad will respond based upon, and it's random, right? So you don't get the same people, like you said, Kalradi, they may drop in in different locations, different types of fighters, the whole nine yards, which to Fastcard's point keeps the game fresh, right? It keeps, gives it longevity of us being able to play the game even longer, going back to a certain area and it's not predictable, right? They've changed the predictability factor tremendously uh, by the AI. So there's a lot of stuff here um, with this, but I thought it was pretty cool. And then seeing it in the Seattle station was kind of cool too. You know, seeing the simulation was one thing, but seeing it in there with the with them having the flashlights out and everything and hearing the dialogue, very cool, very creepy, very, very cool. Okay. Okay, let's move on to the next one. We're almost done, gang. Hang in there with us. I know it's a late night. We're gonna talk about the mini-map. Um, so yeah, so we're, we've been talking about these 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 flight experience stuff, the ship-related stuff, uh, the new UI stuff, the contextual changes and everything. Uh, we'll obviously show those as we get closer to being ready to show those. Uh, we talked a little bit about the, the, the star map. Um, again, not quite ready to show uh, today stuff. Uh, as far as those mapping things and getting around stuff, uh, there's also the mini-map. There's also the minimap, which has always been this promise of being able to find your way through either a really large ship or a space station or stuff like that. Uh, what can you tell us about the work on the minimap? So radar, as, as we call it, is essentially, it encapsulates the star map, it encapsulates what's in your cockpit, and it also encapsulates when you're in FPS, you have an FPS radar and scanner. 
Uh, and the mini-map is essentially a way for you to be able to, and you can access it both from your mobile or it'll be on your HUD, uh, a way for you to get the spatial awareness in, you know, when you're in a, a 3D environment in FPS. So I think the, what we have in terms of the mini-map, it gives you that 3D isometric view that you can move around, and it, all the information in there is underpinned by uh, the FPS radar and scanner. So the information that you, you're, you're scanning in the environment is the information that you'll see on the minimap. So if you go into, say, a known location, so let's say you go uh, to Microtech, uh, you know, that landing zone, essentially, that, that will be pushed to your mobile glass. So you'll be able to then load up the minimap and go, Okay, how do I how do I get out of it? I mean, I've seen so many different new players play Star Citizen. They're like, where do I go? So in, in, you know, it'd be nice for us to be able to go. Here's here's the spaceport. Here's where you go and buy food and drink. Here's where you go and buy weapons. And you can just go. Cool. I open up my map. And it's like, oh, that's where I am. Oh, that's where I can go. And it it gives you a map at your fingertips. But then when you're at an environment that is not, say, let's say you go to a derelict outpost you'll be mapping that environment as you go, or you may be able to find a terminal that has uh, the map on there that you can download and then you have it to you. So it, it really allows us, again, Star Citizen, one of its strengths is that it's scale, but that's a challenge for us as developers to be able to give it to players and for them to be able to understand and navigate where they need to go. Because the first thing is, how do I play the game? Where do I need to go? What do I need to do? So, you know, how do you play the game is about making the barrier to entry, the controls smooth and intuitive, what you understand, you know, and then it's like, where do I need to go? Okay, well, this allows you, we have a mini-map here, and this allows you to go, oh, cool, there's the spaceport, there's the, the shuttle, or there's the train, or this is how I get to this area. And we can provide, you know, missions that allow people to then navigate to those places, so that then they understand, okay, this is how I get to a certain place. Because everybody, you know, if somebody says to me tomorrow, oh, yeah, you know, come around to my house or go here, just give them a postcode and you put it in yeah, GPS. Yeah, Everybody's put so... Put in, you put know, in Google Maps. Exactly. We, you know, you need that, you need the, the street level uh, version of it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so we've long wanted this. In, I mean, we, it's very critical for uh, Squadron, but it's also, um, you know, I think important for the PU. And, you know, the concept is that some of the maps are sort of readily available. You just mm. walk into a, uh, a city and, you know, the terminal auto connects to your, your, your Mobi or whatever. Mm. And, you get the map downloaded and some of them you may have to explore something and then as you explore it you map it um, just like a sort of more traditional uh, mapping technique and there'll be some cases like you know we have some stuff in squadron which i think would play perfectly well in pu where like you don't have the map initially but if you hack in or you can download it into a yep. system like asiado is an example of we've been showing it because we showed it um, a while back as a location it's just one of the very it's, you know, it's a minor location in terms of squadron, but you know, since we showed it, we thought, okay, that's a good. It's just a good backdrop. It's a good backdrop, use. rather than just you know, uh, grey boxes. Really <laughs> um, but you know, that would be an example. Is you don't know the layout of that place, but you would have to go and hook into their mm. system, download the map, and then now you would have it in your mini map. So what we have is we have some footage here, which is showing how the visuals, the mini map, in terms of sort of an isometric render in, engine. in the engine in the ui that uh will essentially become your minimap but you'll have a, a more sort of you know reduced version with you in the middle as you're moving around but yep. if we run it uh, you'll 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 see kind of what the the tech is so first this is in the editor um 
but it's essentially what it does is it's taking our existing um, layouts, levels, ships, so we don't have to build this custom, but it's a way of applying certain shaders and marking up certain objects to be displayed, like the floor gets displayed, but the walls don't. Uh, so we can just take the existing geometry you already have streamed in that you're walking around already, uh, and then use it to be rendered for our minimap. So this is, this is essentially in the engine using the Idris uh, ship itself and the various parts of, it, of its interior to create the minimap without any special, this, you know, this doesn't have any specific custom like UI art for it other than some of the like level things that say, you know, uh, you know, ground level or whatever. It's, it's one of the advantages of having high yeah. detailed ships. Yeah. Because yeah. the environment's already, you know, already in a good state to show straight out the gate. And so the idea of this being systemic is that, you know, when it's in the, the feature and the is ready to go, ready for prime time, think, it, we can just apply it to space station. Yeah, because a lot of zones. traditional game development, you have to make custom minimaps. Yeah. So you look at an environment and you go, we have to make a custom environment minimap. So you know, if we want to support lots, tens, hundreds, and thousands of locations. Yeah. Especially for the PU. We, and we absolutely, to, for yeah. the PU. It's just, it's just not viable. So we wanted to come up with a solution that we can use you know, with minimal effort on the side of uh, content creation, but gives us all of the information that we want. And this minimap is not just, uh, oh, that's where I am. It can show you objectives. It can show you other people. It can show you information about those things. And again, it's all underpinned by the radar and scanner. So when we call it the minimap, it's just, this is just a, a, a kind of how you view your radar information in FPS. And your radar and scanner gives you so much more information than just, oh, that's the name of the door. It tells you what's the state, does it have power? Can I hack it? You know, if it's a person, what's their active status? Are they injured? So if you're coming into here and going, I'm trying to do a medical mission, I've got a marker, I can go, cool, I can get a scan of the lo local library area and go, right, this person's injured. Oh, his body's injured too. Oh, he's got a tier one injury. I'm going to go and help him before he bleeds out because I can see his health. And, and you'll be able to see that via this information. Yeah, it, it allows you to detect uh, saboteurs or intruders. Absolutely. But then you're know, using like the relay network and whatever the saboteurs and intruders can start pulling fuses and start hiding themselves from yeah. the well, scanning. This will also underpin resource network. Yeah, so, so exactly. That, the, the same visuals and tech is planned to drop into the, so the resource. So if you're looking at like your schematic ship to where your relays are going to be or security reasons, which, which doors are open or closed, um, basically it will pull up your, you know, your holographic view of your ship like that using the same tech. So that the idea is those two things, um, you know, work well together. All right, so we've been talking about uh, the FPS step, the step that affects the player specifically, and we're going to touch a few more of those things uh, before we leave today. Uh okay, FC, 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 the mini-map. What do you think about it? I mean, it kind of is a throwback to the old uh, website there, right, where you used to be able to look at your ships and stuff, but... Yeah, they, they found, that's true. Yeah, they found a cool way to... Be, they said normally they have to make custom maps, right, but they're able to actually use the tech that they used to build the ships and just import it right in, right? And and that makes perfect sense to me. I, I, I don't see 
I mean, I can see how they, they couldn't do it earlier because they didn't have to really have the tools, but I'm glad that they, they have the tools and, and it's easy for them to do that now. And I, I just want to point out that the audio was messing up earlier when, when Richard was, t was talking. That's in the video. That's not us. That's, that's, that's in the video. The, 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 the battery and, and, and the mic was going out. So I just want to let people know. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to downloadable map. Like, um, yeah, that's what, probably going to be one of the first things I do whenever I, 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 I reach a place that, that, that you know, had that available to download a map because I get lost easily. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I mean, if you had, if you, if you could offer me a downloadable map of the software today, I would, I would still get one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jay, you know, the other thing too is that the maps are not just limited to ships, but like he's like Fast Card said, uh, you can go to a certain landing zone or something. Maybe if you hack into a computer, you're able to complete a mission because you maybe can scan through that computer and find the layout, right? And, and yes. use that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that that's gameplay, right? Mm -hmm. Even being able to find your way around, like um, people that will remember that outpost from a couple citizen cons ago that they were doing stealth gameplay mm -hmm. on Microtech. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I, I can imagine in that scenario, there's a terminal, but there's also, you know, the scientists patrolling and security patrolling. And you need to get to that terminal to figure out where you need to go inside that outpost. Mm -hmm. So that, that opens up another, you know, aspect of, of gameplay and risk in order. You can either find your way around blindly or you can risk being discovered, you know, to get a, a mini map. Right. Um, yeah, so like, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely for landing zones, for, for new people, it, it is a barrier of entry for this game, especially since now everybody spawns in a landing zone the first time they load in. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's more confusing than when everybody would just, you know, be on Port Olazar back in the day. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. One thing I did not see, and of course, you wouldn't see it on this because they were showing a ship, mm. was... Uh, you know, like cardinal directions, like mm -hmm. if they were to show this on the uh, surface of a planet, I'm wondering if, will you get a geographic? Mm -hmm. Notice I said geographic, not mm -hmm. magnetic. So mm -hmm. yeah, north. So that people can, um, outside of the mini-map, mm -hmm. use something to navigate because mm -hmm. uh, that's something that a lot of people still w would like for, uh, you know, walking around and for driving ground mm -hmm. vehicles that aren't craft left bikes. Yeah, it's a good point. Good point. Kelrati, hate to say this, but you know, there are maps in the game, right? I mean, there are maps <laughs> at different landing zones. And yeah. I don't know, do you think people... I've, to me, I've seen times where people honestly didn't know that those maps were legit. They thought maybe right. they were decorations yeah. or, you know what I mean? They didn't realize yeah. that it really is showing the rail system in Hurston, you know, and where yeah. it goes. Do you think... Um, I mean, I know this is, I don't know, I guess my question is, do you think people will rely more on this or will they miss the design details of the game where the, you know, the designers have put in a lot of work putting these different stanchions, these little things where maps are when you're walking around the city? Because I don't think they're going to put downloadable maps everywhere, but I think they'll right. put them where it's crucial, where it's, where it's needed, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. For example, you know, we saw in Seas of, of, of um, you know, uh, those maps that were layered all over the place mm -hmm. and yeah and they were static but they were very helpful you know you saw the entire layout 
um, you know, compared to, you know, for example, if we were to um, use our local map, mm -hmm. it may not show the entire area. Um, it may show, or, or rather, it may, based on your distance and, um, you know, its strength, it may show a certain portion, mm -hmm. but, you know, and of course it'll show it in the three-dimensional way, but it may not show every single um, point of interest within that proximity. Mm -hmm. And I you know, once they actually um, utilize both, mm -hmm. um, it'll make up for a nice blend. You know, um, I'm always looking forward to these things, assisting players mm -hmm. and just moving away from that, um, from that handholdy kind of hard target icon. I mean, it could still be there, mm -hmm. but giving more players as Jade said also um, that extra element of assistance um, to get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. um, and giving us, you know, a lot more information on how we can get there and the things that we can, um, may encounter on our way there, I'm all for it. So I'm very curious, um, and very looking, very much looking forward to seeing how we can use this, not just in ships, but, you know, um, in other places as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and as, as fast God said, with regards to the downloadable map, I remember in doom, if you explore enough, you can actually reach a terminal where you can actually download a certain mm -hmm. section of, of a particular base or so. So that actually, you know, reminded me of that, hey, that'll be pretty cool if we get in, in the, the new bunker um, or mm -hmm. the underground facilities. Um, if you're exploring, you can find a particular um, console, as you said, mm -hmm. where you can hack and get that kind of information for, if not for the entire area, but for a certain subset. So, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. All right. Can, 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 yeah. uh, can, can I just say, I, 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 I guess you're the type that would, 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 I mean, you, you're okay with the downloadable maps and stuff like that, but you, you wish players would rely more on, on the stuff that's on the ground and on, on the walls and on the ceiling. No, not stuff at all. Like that. No, not at all. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that I, I've said this speech before. Uh, game developers have made everything so handholdy, and CIG kind of has gone back and said, you know, that sign on the wall that says, you know, H&M hardware that way is that way. I mean, it's a real sign. You know what I mean? And some mm -hmm. people don't know when they go into the landing zones that there are identifiers around that tell you, you know, landing zone this or this, that, that, that it, it means something. I guess what I'm saying is not just decorative. You know what I mean? It's almost like if you, when you go to R Corp and you see all the signs on buildings, you may not realize that those are actual clothing manufacturers and ship manufacturers, you see what I'm saying? I think it's decoration. So I'm just wondering whether mm -hmm. or not people will miss the fact that there are physical ways of finding your way around just as much as it may be the digital way of being able to download a map. I'm not against the downloadable maps by any means. Okay. I'm just All saying, right. I know the devs have put a lot of work in to build out these areas. And I hate to think that people don't catch the idea that when you see that sign that says, you know, hospital that way, it really is that way. You know what I mean? There really is a hospital over there, that kind of thing. So that's, that's all I was saying about it, okay? But we got GPS in real life. Yeah, oh yeah, but guess so. what? But guess what? Go someplace where you don't have GPS, your battery runs out. And I, I yeah. you, some people don't even know which way to look at the sun and know which way east, west, and north is. You know what I'm saying? Right. So yeah. I'm just saying, it's yeah. good to know all of it. You know? <laughs> okay, let's go. too. You don't know cloud, but you found it. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we've got two more to go, gang. And we're going to really get through these as fast as we can. 
I think we should do, guys, what do you think we should do the last one first before we do that last one, the second one? Because the next one's going to take some conversation. No, the last, yeah, you're right. All right, do, okay. do, the, do the last one first. All right, let's, let's talk about uh, the Moby Glass because they talked about some upgrades <laughs> coming to the Moby Glass. Uh, is, you know, there's a complete redo of the Moby Glass uh, and the first iteration is in Squadron. There's a sort of cut down set of apps in Squadron because it's the military Moby Glass and you, you know, don't need all the cargo trading and all that kind of stuff that you would want in the PU. Uh, but it's a framework that we're building almost like a, you know, our own Operating Mobi OS. System, yeah. uh, and it's all in building blocks. So all the all flash stuff's gone away. It's been built to be extensible. Um, there's been uh, some tech and thought into how it looks and rendered, which is much nicer and transitions much better before uh, between uh, the modes. And, uh, you know, in Squadron, it's where you'll sort of be able to see, oh, you know, this is who I am, this is how I'm doing in terms of, like, my health and stats, but also, like, okay, here's my personal uh, log of what's been going on in the li in my life, which is basically sort of how I've been playing the game. You know, here's my mission assignments. Uh, you know, here's the, the ship chat channel. Uh, and, yeah, the ship uh, WhatsApp. Yeah, the ship WhatsApp, basically. Uh, and, um, you yeah, know, obviously the, the, your nav map, star map and all that will be in and there. And Galactopedia. The Galactopedia, so you can look up and then in the PU, it's going to just get expanded and maybe uh, potentially have a slight uh, UI difference to be not the military version, but be the civilian version. But it's, it will all go in the same framework using the same base work. So one of the things that we've been really trying, you know, not just on the Moby, but on the HUDs and the MFDs is they're all using a, like, a common building block framework and we're trying to share the same mm. base code stuff so it's easier to support and maintain because one of the problems right now in the PU is because there's a hodgepodge of the old system which is the old sort of flash scale form system and the new building blocks it's really hard to extend stuff right now and so one of the big obstacles to doing features is actually the UI and so squadrons one of the ways that we're really going to sort of just you know clean the house and make it easier so then in the PU extending things will be uh, easier and, and simpler uh, so uh, yeah I don't know if you want to say any more on the mobile well, well I'd, I'd roll the yeah. uh, clip that okay. we have and we can let's roll the mobile glasses take a look so the first page that you'll see that's coming up right now kind of like the overview so you know it's the overview of your player it's the overview of your ship and then it's like your primary objective. So, and, and all of these the uh, widgets are kind of shortcuts to the kind of the main focus you can areas. See alerts as you go to the other yeah. page. So. so you can see here we've got your messages. So this is kind of like uh, the email client. And then on the right, we've got kind of like the ship chat that's coming in with, you know, general ship chat from the AI, which again, it's kind of just making it believe that you're in this, you know, believable environment or a real life environment rather mm -hmm. than just you alone. Uh, so responsive compared to the old one. Yeah, and it's just a lot. It's a lot cleaner, and uh, you know, the information. It's something that we've tried to be consistent across the HUD and the Mobi is that we want to make sure that we're giving you clean information. And you can see here. like the alerts. So the alerts are now cleared from the the messaging app because we've seen, read the messages, so it's gone. But there was an alert down on our mission side here. But now we've gone and looked at it. It's cleared. So that's the system. It's a framework. So like inside the, you know, you'll get. You know, notifications or alerts. Oh, look, I got a new message over here. I'll click over to it. Now we're back. Uh, and the biggest thing as well is when you, it's like 
in everyday life, you, everybody pretty much interfacing with computers. They're interfacing with emails and you know, Google Chrome or you know, search engines. And the, everybody does it every day. So when we come to things like the Moby Glass, you know, we have to have a level of familiarity that people understand. It's like, okay, this is intuitive to use. And it comes back to really the original message that we started this talk with. We want to make sure that the game that you're playing, we're removing the barrier to the entry, we're removing the complexity so that you can enjoy the stuff that you want to do, enjoy, that you want to go and do. You want to go and do missions. You want to go and, you know, get equipment or find rare loot or join up with your friends. And I think a lot of the things when we look at this, where you go from player interaction experience to improve traversal, to improve HUD, uh, star map, Moby is a combination of that with where we want to provide all this different information, but we want to provide it in a way that you're familiar with, mm -hmm. that you can go and go, we don't need to reinvent how you read emails, you know, or we don't need to reinvent how you understand a mission or, you know, and, we, and you want to have the information that you're on your Moby, like, okay, Tell me what am I about to? Is my environment outside? Is it breathable? Yeah. Do I need a helmet? Is it hot? Is it cold? You know, you need. You, you know, if you look at an Apple Watch, or my wife has an Apple Watch, so she's got a Fitbit, and it's like, okay, this is your heart rate, and this is your oxygen. You know, you need to have that information at your fingertips, so you can go, okay, I can now plan for what I'm about to do. And coming back to what Chris said earlier, in terms of. You know, you're not just going to be all wearing heavy armor going into the ships and you might not have an EVA pack and you've got to, you know, you've got to decide what you need to take out with you on specific missions. It comes back to bringing all these things together as a unified experience playing the game. And then you start to understand, like, why we've got an eating and drinking system or active status or injuries or readouts and, you know, inventory and hover trolleys and the physicalized nature of the world and when you put it or stop putting it all together which is kind of we're seeing that glimpse in squadron 42 because we're able to focus on that experience not just individual features you know we're starting to not just see it we're, we're playing it and i think that's what's really exciting to to look at to show you the the progress that we're showing here today is that nothing we've talked about is like oh we're going to start this in six months or we're going to do this in two years or we're going to do that it's we a lot of it we've already done and we're just we're, we're in the position where we can go in there and play it and understand it and go okay let's tweak this let's tweak this and let's start building on top of it of systems that we're really you know confident in technically and from a design point of view so that we can build on top and we've got a very clear idea how they can scale in star citizen because we've got the mini environment of squadron like the test bed of proving it out and I think it's, it's going to be a real benefit to the PU for when we push these features over because also for the developers who are just specifically PU content, they've got an example of how to use these systems use it, yeah. and I mean, they understand how, how you know, other developers have already gone through the mix of putting it into the game and now they go, cool, there's documentation, well, I know how to go to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a big thing because, you know, as building the feature with the content means that, okay, you're doing the, you know, some of the traversal stuff we talked about well here's where you're using it in squadron and here's how we use these different physical elements to make an interesting uh, game experience and that means that the pu team that's now going oh well, we want to do 10 of those or 100 of those has good examples of how to use it rather than here's a feature you figure it out because again that was a lot of things that went in mm. were that you know it's like trolleys as we use yep. an example or um, the mounted guns. mounted guns are just features that didn't really have 
uh, gameplay or, or use associated with them. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot more going on uh, in, in Squadron than just this, but we thought... Yeah, this be, is just a snapshot. It would be very good to talk about some of the core gameplay things that we're working on because we know that people are saying, hey, we'd like these to be better or this to be easier to use or smoother or more responsive. And, and that's absolutely we know and we're working on and and the plan is it's uh, it's definitely going to be in the PU as well as Squadron and Squadron is working on the PU too everybody all right Jay Moby Glass Moby Glass we've yes. seen we've seen earlier stuff on the Moby Glass that they never implemented like remember back when they did that mission with uh who was the guy that was in Levski what was his name I asked this a couple of weeks ago oh uh in the bar Oh, you're talking about Mouse? Yeah, remember when they the did Mouse the Mouse? Part? Yeah, remember in the beginning, they brought his Moby glass up and it was mm -hmm. actually him talking to you in the Moby. Remember that? Like his video <laughs> of him telling you about the mission. We never did get that, right? But no, it looks but like that, that's possible. Oh, yeah, right, right. But I'm saying, yeah. it looks like we're finally moving in that direction, right? Seeing the enhanced mm -hmm. Moby glass, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very, very much... Looking forward to this. I mean, our, our Moby Glass is the 30th century smartphone. We do everything, well, not everything, but we do a lot through it, right? And it, it really is our our interface with a lot of things in the game. Um, I'm looking forward, you know, to everything I see here. Everything looks way more detailed than, than what we've currently got. And it also looks like they've put a lot more thought into the layout of things. Um, I really would like you know i'm sure jack axton if he's listening would, would love this too i really like for them to put a trading app on the moby glass um because right now what we get are in the journal we get these these alerts right. when you know something has an overstock or mm -hmm. is understock i'd love for there to actually be an, an app itself um but what i'm hoping and I don't see it here, but what I'm hoping for with this is that we get something that is is more like flexible. I, I don't know. I don't know really how to put it other than they said that they streamlined this specifically for Squadron. We're looking for yeah. now, but you're saying something like with modularity that's maybe customizable to whatever it is you want to do. Something yes, like that, right? exactly. Because mm -hmm. because there's different types of players. For some mm -hmm. people, like like you know, a trader, the trading mm -hmm. stuff might be the most important thing. For somebody who's going out to do Combat. bounties and ships, mm -hmm. yeah, they would. You know, like I would love for us to have more customizability of our mm -hmm. um, Glass apps, but from the UI perspective and, and what they were showing here what they wanted us what the takeaway they wanted us to have from this i'm here for it i'm all about it i can't wait okay Calrati? yeah you know the, the moment that i saw this i remember when i um party pooped on your and, and bbg's um hope that the ship retrieval button would actually bring the ship and i was like no oh, yeah. for simplicity purposes it's most likely just, you know, you spawning your ship, but lo and behold, I was actually wrong. <laughs> and it's actually for summoning your ship. So, wow, interesting. So, yeah, um, it, it's really nice that we got to see, uh, you know, this this uh, this highlight of the Moby Glass. I remember, in, I think it was Invictus um, Virtual Bar Citizen Con, Jake was, you know, he said, you know, he, he saw a preview of it and he couldn't wait until we could actually, you know, 
uh, C. Am I doing a Tony Zervican thing? You know, maybe I'm tired. Let guys. Me, I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. <laughs> let, me, let, let me confirm to you. At the bar, citizen yesterday, he lit up and got excited and said the exact same thing. He said, "I can't really? wait till you guys see Squadron." He says, "I, I just can't wait to see you guys see it." That's, oh he's, man! I mean, oh, man. He, he literally got like charged up (laughs) and nobody was really talking about i mean it just i don't know what brought it up but wasn't anybody really inquiring but he just was like like you know how you're like trying to hold in the news you know what i mean (laughs) you want to tell people so all you want to kind of say to them in so many words is trust me it's worth that's where it was came from i think it came from trust me it's worth the wait." that was kind of where he's coming from with it yeah yeah okay very cool best card what about you the moby glass I don't have much to say about, about, about this segment, but I, I'm looking forward to, to, to the new changes. Um, but I, I, I told you story before, I, I'm, not, I'm not playing this uh, the game much now because I'm trying to save myself for, I don't want to burn out too, too soon. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to the, to, to the changes that, that they're making. And, and um, yeah, I, I, I like it. Okay. I have a question for you, Fastcard, about that. Because uh, my uh, a couple of friends of mine were having this conversation. When you say that you don't want to burn yourself out, what about like events like a uh, Zeno thread or or? Oh, I do. I do participate in those. Okay. That, 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 that's a PVE event. I don't do the okay. PVE event like um like um or, or, or Seeds of Orison or Nine Tails or stuff like that. Well, but Seeds of Orison's PVE. Seeds of Orison's PVE. You're saying, I mean, you're it's more like FPS, events, isn't it? But you're saying more like the events you're okay with. It's more the living daily in the verse thing you try to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because what I was worried about was it. I was worried about you missing things that may not actually be in the game when the game releases it or just there for mm-hmm. now. Well, yeah, I mean, if it comes to that, if they had a limited edition item, I'll just buy it for someone for when I get my investment in, in, in the game. Yeah, but she's okay. talking about the experience, too, though. She's yeah, I was talking about the experience. Well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do miss out on some of that because I mean, you, you all will be uh, uh, way ahead of me when it comes to the learning curve. But I, I, I catch up eventually. I, I hope. Okay. Okay. Very good question. Good question. Okay, gang. Last but not. <laughs> not yeah, but not buddy. And I really want to wrap this up quick, boy. <laughs> oh, uh, boy. <laughs> is this topic that caught a lot of folks off guard? And I love the way Disco opens this up. So. Listen to what he says at the beginning about how he describes this entrance into skills. Um, let's start with one that might be surprising to some. Must be maybe not. They won't know about it. We haven't done a lot of talking about it in the past. Skills. There, there, there's. Uh, what can you tell us about skills in in Squadron Forty Two? So skills. It's not just Squadron Forty Two. It will be Star okay. Citizen as well. So we've split them up into kind of two. Um, areas. One is physical attributes. So we have four physical attributes such as strength, uh, agility, endurance and fitness. And then we have uh, techniques, which is kind of like uh, whether it's takedowns or traversal. So if you look at the physical attributes, what we have, essentially we're going to have a skill system that you can go and the way that you play the game will dictate how you level up these particular skills. So if you're constantly carrying boxes, you know, you may get stronger so you can actually lift stronger things. But getting stronger doesn't just allow you to lift up your boxes, but it also means that your equip load that you can carry in your inventory is, is higher. That, that weight doesn't affect you as much. So you're not, you're, you, can, you can sprint further because it's not affecting your stamina as much. You know, your force reactions, you're more resistant to that because you're stronger in yourself. Agility in terms of like weapon swapping or um, 
going to ADS. Uh, we have endurance, so that's, for example, like how resistant you are to the environment. If you look at, say, Navy SEAL training or SES training in, in Britain, essentially, you know, they have cold weather training. Uh, they have, you know, you, you can in survive in harsher climates. You can go longer without uh, sustenance. Uh, and th then that's what essentially endurance gives you. And, and also, for example, like G-force and red out so that, you, you know, pilots train for that so they can actually modulate their breathing so they're actually able to sustain higher Gs than a normal person would be. And then you have fitness. So fitness, for example, you can have a higher stamina. So when we have swimming, you can swim longer. You can, you can hold your breath longer. You can sprint longer. So we have these physical attributes and we have multiple different ways for how you um, improve them. And those physical attributes will, will denote how effective you are at certain things in the game. So, and that will come to obviously for flying as well as um, um, in FPS. But we're not going to be removing any of the skill elements. So there's nothing that we're going in there going, oh, you've got 10% more damage. Or, you know, we're going to make you fly the plane better. It's like, no, that, that's always relying on your skill. This is the things that you, you can't necessarily improve. So, you know, like I said, how, far, how fast you can sprint or how far you can sprint. All, all of those different things that are tied into physical attributes. Well, it's like real life, right? Absolutely. I mean, like you've got to spend some time. If you want to increase your strength, you, I mean, yes, you could naturally be born strong, but if you go to the gym and you start lifting weights, yep. you know, you, okay, I can do whatever. I can, like, bench press 100 pounds. Now I can do 120. Now I can do 140. Now I can do 160. Now I can do 180, right? Well, you couldn't do 180 right from the beginning. You, yep. had, to, you had to work the same if you're, like, running, you know, you work your way up to a marathon and so that's kind of the idea is there are things that you do during the gameplay that uh you know your gameplay can add to you but if you want to take some time and go to the gym and do some squats you you know you you can get some yeah. strength up and uh I, I again that's part of like making that that the 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 living world so if you want to invest in your character that way in a sort of more realistic way the way the world works because like Rich says, we still want all the skill in terms of being able to, you know, aim and shoot and do all the rest of the stuff. Um, then you can do that if that's something that makes sense for what your character is going to be. I mean, in you know, squadrons one thing, but in the PU, you know, yeah, I'm a I'm a cargo hauler. I probably don't really need to be all buff and everything because exactly. I'm sitting there in the cab of my caterpillar hauling a bunch of cargo. But if I want to be a bounty hunter, maybe I want to invest some time. So if I'm in a foot race trying to take someone down, I can outrun them, you know? Yeah, because if you're wearing the same, if you're wearing heavy armor and they're wearing heavy armor and, and you've put effort into, you know, skilling up your character because you're saying, you know, you, that's the dedicated area of focus that you want, you know, you can run further than them. You can carry, a, carry things, you know, that are heavier than... than uh, they can. You can equip things onto you and it doesn't affect you as much. So all of those different physical attributes, it allows you to progress your character in those ways. And then we have the technique side of things. So we're going to have multiple different techniques for lots of different skills across the star system. But a, a good one to uh, a good one to how to explain it is it's almost like the 10,000 hours. You know, if you do 10,000 hours kind of thing, you're better at something. So takedowns is a good example. So the first time you do a takedown, you know, that's going to be quite sloppy. It's, it's going to take quite a long time. You know, you might struggle and, okay, eventually you, you take them down and it's like, oh, okay, the guy over there heard me. It's not very good. And after a certain amount of time that you, you know, you practice at them. Yeah, more takedowns you do, the better you you'll get. You'll get better. So then they'll change different animations. So now you'll unlock a different animation where it's 
it's smoother. Steve Bender it's, is yeah, very it's... looking forward to getting <laughs> exactly. all the versions of Takedown yeah. from sloppy to super killer pro. Yeah, and at the end ones, it'd be like, you know, straight in, straight out. You lower him down onto the yeah. floor. It takes, you know, it's much faster. But you've put in the effort to level that skill to a level that you want to achieve. And I think that's what skills is about. It's about giving players goals that they want I mean, to do. We'll have the same for, like, uh, you know, uh, melee, like fist fighting combat, or yeah. knife fighting. Um, longer term, we want to sort of, this is more PU, not squadron, but introduce, say, more moves you could do in fights, say, martial arts or whatever. You yep. have to go somewhere. Or traversal as well. And learn them from someone and then do it a bit more and then you would get better. Mm -hmm. So these are all things you could gain. And that's kind of, the, like you said, the... You know the idea of sort of you know the skills and techniques yeah. uh, that we want to introduce because uh again it's you know this is going to be a really huge deep world and it's sort of up to you how you want to but i mean actually build your character if you look at fighter pilots nowadays or formula one card races you know they're absolutely extreme athletes they're not just they don't just go get in the car and like the car yeah. does everything it's not, the 70, it's not the 70s no <laughs> exactly you know you don't, they don't just get they have a pint of beer before <laughs> yeah. they they, yeah. they go to you know try to race a formula one or they play a football match absolutely so that's that's what it gives you it gives us that ability for you to specialize your character in areas that if you really enjoy fps then you can push it that yeah. if you all if all you care about is flying ships because you want to be a fighter pilot then you can be like okay i want to level up agility or i want to level up endurance because endurance allows me to um, hold more G's. So, you know, if that guy was going to black out, I'm not going to black out because yeah. I'm going to be able to do it. And it's those slight 1% differences that allow you to put some effort in to do. And, and the, you should be, you will be able to level them as you just play the game organically. So you're not going to have to go out and level them, um, you know, you know, like Chris says squats. If you, if you do squats, like that's the equivalent of us going from crouch to stand, essentially. Yeah. It's like, we will allow you to do things like that if you want to go and kind of like level them yourself but you'll also just be able to level them yeah. by naturally playing what you like to in the game that pilates area and microtech yeah well we were, yeah we went all the the whole thing you felt and then the other thing that we're going to do which will tie into the last thing you're going to talk about is you know the way that you'll sort of track this is the yes. same way as you know i've got an apple watch on here and i can have my health app that will tell me kind of you know <laughs> how unfit I am, right? <laughs> well, how fit I am, unfortunately, at the moment, it's mostly unfit. Okay. So one of the, oh, cool, yeah, one of the cool things about this video that I appreciate is the fact, and you guys have heard me say this time and time again on this show, that when CIG puts something in the game, be careful, because if it's in there, that probably means there's something to it. And they <laughs> mentioned the thing that popped in my head when I first heard about skills. There is that freaking in New Babbage, that area where people are working out in the commons, there's a whole bunch of treadmills against the wall. If you go into Orison, some of you all have never been there. When you come out of the hab and go up to the second floor, there's a swimming pool up there. There's two weight rooms up there that you can actually go bench press in. And I said to myself, why would they put this stuff up in here? Ain't nobody gonna go up here. And now, we come up with this stuff with skills. If you, oh, they're they're uh, they're they're throwing content in and nobody mentioned that stuff's been in here almost two years now. So that means they were thinking about this stuff back in the day. We just didn't know about it. So Jade, I'm, I'm gonna go to you on this. Start yeah. with you. Okay, give me. I'm your gonna thoughts. I'm gonna go back even further than two years okay. because anybody who has any issues with there being skills must not have heard chris roberts mention tavarin kung fu oh he sure 
Shit, I forgot about that. Yes. Right? Yeah. And people thought that was a joke. But see, you can't you can't listen to him and think anything's a joke. If he says it, that's it's probably something he wants in about. the game. Mm -hmm. This is his game that we're helping him make for us. So you know, <laughs> as far as skills go, I I have I have no position one way or the other. <laughs> like I, I'm not I didn't yeah, I didn't I didn't get angry. I didn't you know, mm -hmm. there's a reason that that ship that they have this interview on is called the only constant, right? Mm -hmm. The only constant <laughs> in development is changed. And I, I just expected at this point that, yeah, you know, they're going to change and they're going to expand on things. And like I said, I heard about the Tavar and Kung Fu and I remember them being asked once in a Q&A about buffs and debuffs. Mm -hmm. And we, we have the debuffs. Right. So the, that would leave you the question, what are the buffs? Well, the buffs are skills. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, right now, the only thing that we that we understood about was the food stuff, right? The foods and drugs, mm -hmm. things of that nature. But yeah, again, they've got these things, these locations built into the game already. And uh, yeah, I know we see the NPCs out there on the yoga mats and running around in circles, but it's like, yeah, guess who else is going to be running around, Kalradi? You know, <laughs> so Cal Ryder, give us your thoughts on this stuff with skills. Yeah, it was, um, you know, for some time, I've always been curious as to whether or not they'll be able to implement some kind of um, attribute system, um, even though Star Citizen isn't necessarily an MMORPG. Mm -hmm. And when we, you know, when they, when Richard Tyra and Chris um, Roberts talked about this, I was it, you know, I, I perked up because I was very curious because, you know, like you guys said, um, you know, we have those buffs. Well, we have, you know, the administration of the food and nutrition. We also have um, the medical, mm -hmm. our, the med, the med right. pants and, and drugs and those things. Because, for example, when I go into a bunker mission, I apply those um, before mm -hmm. the fact. I don't wait until I, I, I get an injury because um, if you apply the, the sterogen or the maxidrin mm -hmm. and you get an injury, it's automatically masked because mm -hmm. the drug is in your system. Mm -hmm. So this is that is how I see you know, the whole skill system once they apply it right. It's just another proactive means mm -hmm. of you know protecting yourself or being able to perform a certain um, um, at a certain level. And in the event that you know a certain situation requires or um, forces you to perform at a certain level, then you've already proactively prepared yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is how I see it. Um, so I'm very curious as to see how they balance it. I won't you know, be um, too concerned, but I'm very excited about it um, because I mean, they've, they're, once again, they're going to test it in Squadron 42. It's not like they're, you know, blindly applying this in the PU right. and throwing it to, th throwing it to us and ask, Hey guys, just check this out. <laughs> no, they're going <laughs> to test it and, you know, provide their own feedback, generate their own feedback and see how well it does in, in Squadron 42, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing the end results so that when the time comes, we can test it and see. Mm. Okay, okay. FC, any thoughts about this whole skill thing? I have a bunch. So they mentioned their skills, uh, strength, agility, endurance, and fitness, and, uh, and, and the skills as well. So 
I'm gonna have to put a peloton on my on my, on my measurement somewhere, or like a, <laughs> uh, put gym equipment because you got that, pl that place that has a whole lot of empty space. Uh, I'm gonna have to charge gym some gym membership for for, for for my crew in order to, to, to recoup my some money back. Yeah. But I, I do want to say I love chat. Y'all crack me up. You made me smart <laughs> several times. And thanks for thanks to the chat for for hanging out with us during the time episode. And you know. Griffin, for for you, you we talk about food and survival when that first came out. People who fooded and hollered, and people hated the idea. But then people came along and say, "Oh, I I I better have this food so I can so I can do, do better at this." I think this should be the, be the same thing. When it first came out a couple weeks ago. Hey, thank you for the follow. Thank you, KBM. Uh, and, and when it first came out uh, a few weeks ago, people were hooting and hollering. I think when they actually implemented it and, and, and people get used to it, I think people will be okay. Uh, thanks for the subscription. Thank you, Chu. My worry is that my character in game will be healthier than, than, than me in real life. Could <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be. Chu, thank you for the five subs. You guys give a shout out to Chu for if you were if you were uh, one of the benefactors or received one of those because that was very cool. Um, yeah, FC, it'll be interesting. I think all of us are saying, let's see what they do, right? Because mm -hmm. the history of CIG is, is that they do listen to the community, but they do, as Jade said earlier, it's Chris Roberts' game, and he really does want to create a game that people feel like they want to play. And I think that this is going to be something we just got to keep our eyes open for. But like you said, Jade, this was not something they thought of yesterday, evidently. It's already built into the lore. It's built into the architecture of the game already. We just, once again, run past those um, treadmills and don't pay attention to them and say, ah, what's those treadmills doing over there? Chris like Roberts, I always say, go down, smell the roses, yep. look at the environment around you mm -hmm. for indications of future gameplay. Yep, Chris Roberts going to want y'all to go into uh, the stores now and start buying track shoes because you're going to be running around now. My, my question about this is the implementation, like, will they have a meter in game for people to know, players to know how close they are to the next tier or whatever they're trying to reach, or we'll would that be, be something hidden to us? And we'll have to see, yeah. It's, it's I mean, if they do it like they do with reputation, probably. Mm -hmm. Probably. Yeah, but that's not really, well, I won't get into that, yeah, but go ahead. Say, it's it's going to have to be some indicator. We get what you're saying, Fast Card, some indicator of your progress if you are, mm -hmm. if, if you're forced. He mentioned earlier, some things you'll do organically just from being in the game. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the aspect if you deliberately want to work on something, you'll be able to find some way to measure it. And he really put a lot of emphasis on the Moby Glass, right? He said like it being like the Fitbit kind of thing. So we'll see what they do. We've got a few questions here, guys. I really am running late tonight. We are three hours and nine minutes into our show. So what I'm going to do is just take a couple of these questions and 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 I'm gonna we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, the first one I'm going to take is from Kevion. He says... I uh, think there will be a different Moby glasses, which change depending on the UI, a little bit depending on the career you want to focus on, such as bounty hunting, Moby glass, or trading. And we want to address that because Jade addressed the KVI. We're hoping that they built that type of flexibility into it because we see now they even mentioned it was like they created its own OS for the military operations for Squadron 42. So let's see if they do pick up something. Similar to people who have like their, um, with the, the game glass, people can customize their game glass to how they want it. Let's see if they do that within the Moby glass. That would be very cool. Admiral Kusanagi, uh, now that we've talked about skills that will be leveled up and associated with the character's optimal progression, do you feel this is a needed direction to make medical gameplay necessary? Anybody want to address that? Do you think this will have some form on medical gameplay? 
Maybe. Maybe. That's all I got. Yeah, because we don't, we don't really have enough <laughs> information. I, I mean, I get yeah. where he's trying to go, but there's just not enough information to see whether or not medical gameplay will have some effect on it. Good question. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing that I could think of, you know, is strength. Yeah. You know, if you're drag, dragging a body, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Jajad uh, asked this one with the skill system. Does that mean when you die, die, did you lose all your progress? You know, they, mm. they talked about that a little bit, Jajad. Uh, not in the sense of the physical skill stuff. Now, they talked about it in relation to reputation. They still don't know whether or not, like, my main character dies, my stuff passes over to my child. Does some form of my reputation drift over that way? Maybe they get 10% or 20% of it. They've kind of said they played with the idea of it, but they've never said that they, what it's going to be. They just said they've talked about it, you know? And the skill thing is definitely new as far as we're concerned. I know it's a great question uh, to think, but I would think that if you're coming back in a new body, that's everything. Like literally, it, yeah. it, adds, yeah. it adds an element of risk factor too. Cause you know, I think when we, that, that dynamic of saying, is what I'm getting ready to do worth losing my character? Is it worth me having to go back and rebuild all the stuff that I've done? Those are going to be questions that people are going to be thinking about. You don't get the instant spawn stuff anymore, right? It's like, you know, you wake up. It's going to be the same thing with ships, right? Is it worth me taking my Polaris out over some crazy stuff and I lose it and they say, oh, yeah, see us in two weeks. You know, is it going to be <laughs> worth that? People are going to be thinking about those things now uh, because people right now are just used to the timer that says give me 30 minutes or if I expedite. Will my insurance cover it? Will my insurance cover it? Same thing. All these different things later on in the game are going to be things that are going to make people think about how their gameplay and what it affects in the sense of, you know, resurrecting your body, getting your shit back, all that stuff. Okay. Those are good questions. Thanks, guys. Those are really good. Okay. We are finally, this is the longest <laughs> show in Soul Citizen's history, I want to say. We have done a full three hours. Uh, and so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I'm going to jump out of that screen. That's the wrong screen. And I have no cameras here. So I'm not going <laughs> to... Let me see. Can I put it in <laughs> what here? The heck? You know what? We were rushing at the end, and I didn't change yeah. it to the four-camera thing. So what I'm going to do is... I, I hate when I don't have my people on here. Oh, um, I'm black. I'm going to talk about next week's show. Well, the next two weeks, as you guys know, third, I'm going to speed this up, guys, because we are running, and I have to leave. Thursday is our, our Soul Talk show. That's our show. That's a roundtable show. Fast Cart hosts that. 9 p.m. Eastern time. You guys come in, talk to us about stuff that's going on within the Star Citizen community. Our Saturday show, 3 p.m. Soul Voices, our one-on-one -on -one where you guys can come in, talk to us about stuff that's on Spectrum, Reddit, and in the gaming industry. Next week, next Sunday, is our show called Sweet and Sour, where we're going to have people on our panel, some people among our group, some guests, and the idea is to talk about something nice about Star Citizen's development and maybe some stuff that, well, we ain't too happy about in Star Citizen's development. So I'm hoping that you guys will join us for that on next Sunday. So make sure you come back for Sweet and Sour, okay? Um, can, can, can I just say that all UTC, UTC time or an hour later because of the, the time change. So I want to keep, keep let people know about that. Absolutely. I obviously know we're watching tonight, but yeah, Thursday and, and Saturday will, will change too. Absolutely. Not to mention, our time today changed, which really was kind of crazy. Right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Thank you all for uh, the raids we got today from TB Liquid, from Pudu. Thank you guys for that. Those of you who hung out with us today, if you're first time you're here, we appreciate you guys hanging out. Those who followed, those who subscribed, 
those who donated thank you all thank you all and those who asked questions we appreciate that tonight um thank you to my co-hosts fast cart jade and cal Roddy. thank you guys this is a long show a lot of research but thank you guys for being here and sitting through as well and don't forget we'll see you guys this week uh thanks again to everybody who came out to the bar citizen we had a great time to made ariana again thank you so much for the hard work you put in and uh we are going to set ourselves up for a raid and i've been told that we're going to raid someone named i guess it's nessex is the way this name is so let's go ahead and set up this raid for nexus and um when you guys get over there if you like what you see follow her give her a shout let her know that you came over from the soul citizens and uh, you guys we want you to have a safe week take care of yourselves and as we always tell you peace love and soul we'll see you soon have a good one see you people